This is Urasawa Boys, a podcast where you read and discuss the works of uh, manga artist and author Naoki Urasawa. Uh, right now, we're reading Monster, and Monster deals with a lot of dark and troubling topics and themes, so a list of content warnings is going to be available in the show notes. Thanks for listening. Everybody, this is Urasawa Boys. I'm Samuel Quinn Morris. I'm Matt Fennell. I'm Tyler Crumrai. What's going on? Where'd you get that shit? <laughs> we have we have picked up we have picked up a stray uh, along the way. One of our one of our favorite designers made some really really cool stuff. Uh, just an all around pleasant fellow. Uh, Tyler, you wanna you wanna introduce yourself a little bit? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, I'm Tyler Crumrine. Uh, you might know me from such hit films as uh, Beak, Feather, and Bone. Um, my play publishing project, Plays in Verse. Uh, my long defunct podcast, Ninjas versus Podcast, which I recorded about. 150 episodes of with my two best friends Jordan and Kevin uh years before years before I had any kind of like actual presence on the internet it was so this was uh like back in I think we started in maybe 2011 that sounds about right that would be about the time for a podcast called yeah versus yeah because it was you know it was around the same time that like the McElroys were really blowing up, and uh, it was before podcasts were lucrative. It was just kind of more like, hey, this is this is a fun way to hang out and make people laugh. Uh, mm. So when I was in college, I did college radio, theater, um, the entire entirety of my time there. Uh, and my two best friends were uh, two years older than me, um, so they graduated before I did. And we wanted to stay in touch and we were all, you know, we did radio together. We were all big fans of like comedy and podcasting in general. And so we were like, okay, let's just have a standing Zoom call uh, once a week and we will do it as like a podcast format. But really, more than anything, it was just an excuse to stay in touch with each other. Uh, and you and say the... Zoom, but it, it was Skype at the time, I yes, imagine. Yes, yes. Yeah. Was... I was about to say, were you ahead of the game on Zoom as well as There's podcasts? No, way no, no. Uh, like, I, I remember I had to record in our college's uh, radio studio because there was no uh, actual, like, safe place on campus to record without like all kinds of sound bleed um i remember when i asked if like i could start using the studio space the head of the radio program at the college was like i don't know about these podcasts i don't know if this is something that's gonna stick <laughs> and i was like well we have a couple episodes out so far if you want to like listen to one and they're like i don't know that anyone's gonna want to listen to an 
hour of a podcast like that seems like you got to get it like down to you know sub half hour if you really want like you know people to actually listen to this like now years later you know five star run times five everyone star run and their time, cousin is like the best podcasts are all three hours you know spread <laughs> over five seasons um but the ninjas versus podcast thing was it was like that uh, I don't even know if people would be familiar with like the ninjas versus pirates debate. That was oh, like we are. It was that the was pinnacle like, of online culture. Exactly. Uh, I mean, that it was very right Newgrounds core. Very <laughs> uh, like epic bacon bro debate totally. type Morris. stuff. It's gonna, yeah. It's gonna make you feel. It's gonna make you feel a bit old, Tyler. But for me, that's like that's my exact like middle school. Like that's like seventh, eighth grade. And I, I associate that whole aesthetic so strongly with that time of my life that I'm like, I'm allergic to it at, yeah. at this point. You know, it, just just thinking about that whole Chuck Norris, Le Epic Bacon era of the internet is really The Narwhal cool. song was in Yeah, there, man. Uh, 40 memes in, in three minutes or whatever that, that fucking... Okay. Yeah. That's a, that's All that kind of stuff. So Nostalgia trip. We were coming off uh, My Brother, My Brother and Me. And uh, there was actually... Uh, the one time we did a live show, we were booked by a comedy theater in Pittsburgh uh, to do a live show of our podcast. And we had an advertisement for it on My Brother, My Brother and Me back oh, when wow. they were still taking ad. It was post jingle phase, but it was back when they were still taking ads from just like extreme random ass people. And your uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so. But the like we were very much like, OK, a podcast needs to have like a listener element. Like, very much the Yahoo answers, like, people sending in questions type things. Oh, and cool. so our whole thing was, like, hey, we're going to do versus and would you rather questions. Because that was the kind of stuff that we would talk about on our radio show anyway. We're like, all right, send us, like, dumb debates and we will just talk through them and shoot the shit. So it was stuff like, would you rather wear uh, Crocs for the rest of your life or sandals and socks? Uh, Quinn, like, you go first. Crocs Crocs. Or sandals and socks? Crocs. Crocs. Oh, Tyler? yeah, Crocs. 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 Yeah. It's like walking yeah. on clouds. I am so, so vindicated that Crocs are making a comeback. I've been a it's Croc been... adopter since They are day around. One. In, in New York, there's a ton of those some bitches. People love Crocs right now. It's oh, yeah. fascinating. They're wonderful. I mean, you said you were here before podcasts were lucrative. I think we've gone podcasts were lucrative and now they are not anymore. Like, we've oh, cycled yeah. on so many things. <laughs> yeah. On like Crocs, podcasts. I lo- Epic Bacon's going to come back next. Yeah. Yeah. Like, for, for forget sure. a Patreon. I would have been sh- selling giblets. You know, the little like, <laughs> the little buttons you put in your crocs um so we yeah we recorded a bunch of episodes and we were pretty consistent about it and then there was one like string of a couple weeks that we just couldn't record something and we started to get emails from people saying like where's the podcast episode because mostly we were just like generating our own questions getting the occasional questions from like friends and more and more random people started sending us questions. And then people were like, hey, like, what's the deal with your release schedule? Uh, and so we were like, oh, well, now we have to actually stick to it. Uh, so we made like relatable more than 100 episodes. It was great. Uh, the best thing to come out of it, though, by far. And I'll, I'll stop talking about the my. Weird no, you're our guest. History. Talk, talk, uh, talk in a minute but the best thing that came out of this podcast was a friend of mine from college started listening to the podcast while they were in the peace corps 
And because it was like, oh, this is like a way to, you know, hang out with a friend of mine, despite being, you know, across the ocean. Um, and while listening to it, she was like, wow, the, like, it's Tyler's funny and, you know, it's nice. But like his co-host Jordan, like he's got some dulcet tones and <laughs> I really like tend to agree with his opinions in all of these debates and things like that. And so she developed a crush on him online. Uh, they started like messaging back and forth. Uh, eventually, when she came back to the U.S., they met up. They started going on dates, got engaged. They are now married <laughs> in a very yeah. happy relationship. And it was after that, like the last episode in our feed is uh, like an episode that we recorded before his wedding. That's um, so great. Of like, hey, well, this is as good a reason as any <laughs> to end a podcast where the first hundred episodes were a lot of us moaning and groaning about how single we were. And now, <laughs> like, both of my co-hosts are married. One has kids oh. and I have, you know, uh, a partner I love. And so it's now that I, I come as the 33-year-old the who has already gone through, you know, the the podcast ringer. I am happy to just guest on other people's podcasts and be like, you know, it's, you never know what's going to happen from it, but it's fun. It's like, it is. I don't know. I'm a big it's fan good. of the the style of podcast that is like, okay, this is friendship accountability. And if other people join us, great, but we're going to like nerd out over some manga. Yeah. It's a, it's a really good time. What a, what a nice story that was, Tyler. Yeah. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you. That's so sweet. Um. And uh, it's always nice to it's always nice to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, yeah, you'll die someday. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> seventy four years. Um, yeah. I just turned twenty six. I'm at seventy four years left. Uh, I don't know about you. I keep a very close eye on on the clock. I think I uh, left that in last episode. Oh yeah, we talked about when no. you died. Oh, I did. I did yeah. mention that. Oh, no, it's yeah. uh, your mortality is well known. <laughs> we, this is this is where we ask our listeners to set up the site where it's how many days left does Quint? It's your death. Clock. Yeah, it's, a, it's just yeah. a fuck. I would love that. I'd book. I'd bookmark it. Um. Anyway, I think the I think the moral of the story is that uh, if any of our listeners have a crush on either of us, um, don't tell me because if you tell me, I immediately become well, worse at things. Is well, the oh, thing. So actually, don't. actually, that is the real moral. That's the secret moral. Don't tell. Don't tell him. Tell me if you have a crush yeah. on him. Tell me. Uh, and we'll, we'll figure out what to do about it. Um, maybe we don't encourage that. We'll assassinate we you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Different direction than I was expecting, but. Let's. Hey, let's well, talk about at, at the end of the day. Yeah. I love manga. Uh, I. You have, have a cool been... shirt that says manga and has Goku on it and Nancy. Oh, I, I think, right? I to buy that. I have a one piece tattoo, you know, oh. I'm, I'm, I'm. In the hole at this point. He's in it to win it. Uh, But I've, um, I watched a handful of episodes of the monster anime way back. Uh, And yeah, it was while I was um, like studying for uh, like, I think it was a GRE for like when I was thinking about going to grad school for theater and things like that. Um, And I was living in Erie with the same best friend who eventually got married to the the podcast stalker. Um, but I 
remember watching the first handful of episodes and really liking it. And then the semester started and I went back to college and he went to his job like building trains for GE. And I just never really revisited it. Uh, so when I found out that you all were doing the podcast about it, I was like, this is the perfect opportunity to actually like revisit this, read the manga, you know, get to the anime when I have a chance. But like, I've heard so many people talk so highly about Urasawa's work in general. Mm. I was like, all right, I can, I can commit to 10 volumes of this. Uh, but as I've been reading along and listening along, I have similarly been in the same place of like, okay, we've gotten past my anime knowledge. How are we at the midway point? <laughs> like, what is going to happen? Yeah, what's left? What's left? Uh, the, an- the answer is... There's plenty. stuff. A lot of plenty. it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's stuff. And and we start to see it unfold a bit. Uh, it's it's the, the dominoes are getting set up, mm-hmm. um, which is actually technically it's the, it's the opposite of unfolding. We are presently folding. Um, uh, so let's, let's jump into it. Uh, what was, I guess we're going to rotate around. Yeah, I've got the... first and then I don't remember. I, okay. Yeah, I've got so third. Think... Okay, perfect. Yeah, okay. so yeah. we're going to cycle through. Um, the reading this week was chapter 78 through 86, which comprises the... the back it... half of Perfect Edition Volume 5. There we go. And the entirety of Perfect Edition Volume 10. Or, or regular, or regular edition. Regular edition uh, Volume 10. Well, the regular edition's yeah. still perfect. It's just not brand. There we go. Right. I like True. that. Yeah, just doesn't have the, the word on it. Yeah. Um, All right, take it away. Okay, yeah, so chapter 78 is called Grimmer. Um, a man in Dresden reviews the surviving I'm, I'm sorry, if I can um, interrupt you for one second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Hit me. Uh, Grimmer, I hardly know her. Carry on. <laughs> right you are. Right you are. Oh, man, this is great. We need a rotating third chair every week now, I think. Ooh, yeah, for week, quality content week? like that. Yeah, oh. no, I mean, that's the top of the barrel. Not, yeah. you know, I don't know. Everyone's familiar with the phrase bottom of the barrel, but that's top of the barrel. That's uh, top yeah. barrel. That's 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 wedding cake topper. That's prime cut. Barely um, even marinated. Just skimmed off the top. You know, like not ripe. Creme de la creme. <laughs> A5 Wagyu eaten raw. Let's get this thing. Let's get this thing summarized. Grimmer. Um, a man in Dresden reviews the surviving records of the East German Kinderheims following a trail of atrocities, hoping to find out exactly what happened. This is Eric Grimmer, a former East German foreign correspondent, uh, in big air quotes, who worked as a spy during the Cold War. Grimmer's on his way to Prague, and we see him happily and selflessly perform a few good deeds on the way, sharing his shoes with a young boy who's been bullied, giving money to a man in the train station who's pretty obviously running a scam, and then making polite small talk with a Japanese man who's also on the way to Prague. Grimmer and the Japanese man present their passports for an immigration inspection, and when Border Patrol agents leave, Grimmer reveals that he knows the man, Dr. Tenma, has a fake passport and is in danger. I like Grimmer. Me too. I love him immediately. Grimmer is a uh, lab designed to be best boy, as far as I can tell. Like there is nobody doesn't like Grimmer. Everybody likes Grimmer. Do they? I think they. I don't know if they mentioned his first name in this. Not week, yet. But his first name is Wolfgang. Oh, Ooh, Wolfgang perfect. Grimmer. Woo! Man, what a what a slam dunk of a name on our that was part. Yeah, he he is like the, you know, the prototypical nice guy, Mm -hmm. you know, just very aw shucks look to him. Um, 
So I are either of you familiar with, and this is kind of a like connected media type thing. Well, possibly, mm. I'm not sure. Are either of you familiar with the 1981 film Possession? I know of it because it's um it's Dr. Alan Grant as the main character and his yeah, wife. Yeah, Sam Neill. Sam Neill is in it. Um, and like. I know that you all have talked a little bit about, you know, like influence on Urasawa, that he was someone who was like consuming a lot of media. Um, like, I, I don't think it came up, but I feel like uh, the baby is a very clear Twin Peaks reference. OK, uh, yeah, that's a good like, We did. I think I'm pretty sure he brought that up during the dance sequence. I think yeah, he like he's kind of like doing the like he's not backwards yeah. talking, but, um, you know, God, and I think that he mentioned it. Monster and manga in general is doing some of the kind of similar like Twin Peaksy vibe of like, okay, we are leaning into the serial, we are leaning into like the soap opera and things mm -hmm. like that to try and like have that kind of hot and cold shower that happens of like, okay, uh, the more domestic stuff you have th and like the more comedy that you have, the more it stands out when things get like weird or horrific or like dramatic. Um, and I just want to say that I feel like Grimmer looks a bit Sam Neelish. Okay. Um, Possession is, like, his character in Possession is very different. Um, it is a 1981 film by Andre uh, Zulaski. Uh, so it would have been out before this. But, uh, Sam Neill's character is a West German spy, uh, in that. And... It is very interesting uh, reading Monster having recently watched Possession for the first time with some of my movie nut friends because mm -hmm. it is one of those films that is some people love it because it is like this weird over the top like bordering on comedy like ballet style movement not really interested in like logic you know, drug trip of a film. Uh, and other people watch it and love it because they're like, this is the realest thing I've ever seen. This is like <laughs> psychologically, emotionally, like, oh my gosh, this wrecked me because mm -hmm. like I see so much of humanity in it. Um, and so it's been interesting reading Monster as like a different approach to like, you know, this east-west divide and like the monsters it created mm -hmm. uh because possession is so much about uh it's nominally about a divorce um because ah, uh ah. samuel comes back from a spy mission and uh finds out his wife has been cheating on him um and then the question becomes who or what has she been cheating on him with and it goes some wild places. It's one of those 80s horror films where, like, I'm the most squeamish person alive and I was able to handle it because, okay. you know, like, you can kind of see the artifice. Um, mm -hmm. But it is also one of those films that is, like, really, really stuck with me and has really informed my reading of Monster. I don't want to spoil it, but I thought, like, this was a good place to say, like, hey, if you like, you know spies getting caught up in monsters uh during the east west uh fall of the wall although it's before the wall falls uh the film actually uh there are a number of 
East German soldiers that appear in it uh, that are not actors. Wow. They are just being filmed uh, as they like are on the other side of the wall, kind of right. gawking at what these filmmakers are doing. Uh, Man. Yeah, this is a great sell on this. Um, yeah, this sounds like bonus episode content to uh, me. For probably. So I'll, yeah. I'll watch it at some point yeah. and we can we'll we'll talk about it. That's but that's cool. great. Oh, this is this is cool. That's but my uh my two grimmer highlights are mm-hmm. one, him uh seeing a boy who was like had his stu- uh shoes stolen by some bullies and he's like, Hey, you know, you know, humans like uh, live for a thousand years without shoes. I'll be fine. Like, here are my shoes. Um and then the kid like follows up with him um and he doesn't smile until the last panel uh but it looked like the kid was just like clopping up to him and giving him his shoes back he's like you dumbass these don't fit me <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's, it's really so cute. cute i mean the sound too and like yeah the yeah, shoes clop, are huge clop, clop. and they're drawn so big on this kid's feet um it's Grimmer's a big guy but the the biggest feather in Grimmer's cap is that he's a fan of Gundam. <laughs> yes, yeah, we get to the, we get to that we get to that in a oh no, what is this chapter, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's on the train. Yeah. He's he's just kind of like is like oh, I yeah. went to Japan once, you know. He's talking to Ten Million. He's like, it's like what are, what are those robots they have there? There's Gundams. This is great. Gundam. I got a model kit for my son. It's wonderful. Yeah. He's fantastic. Yeah. Um, Which Gundams not, were around Rose. then, in case any listeners are like, they had Gundams? And yes, they did. The original show aired in 79, and they had kits by the early 80s. So the timeline checks out. Gundam's um, great. I recently yeah. uh, 79 had... 79 is excellent. 79 yeah. is good. I had a conversation with my partner recently, uh, and after, you know, long time of dating, uh, finally she broached the question, Tyler... What is a Gundam? Oh. <laughs> it's like I, everyone wants to hear. It's like I know, uh, I know they're the robots you build and have on your <laughs> shelf, and I think they're cool. Like this is not critical, but just like, what is a Gundam? <laughs> like, where does the word Gundam come from? Yeah. Well, it and comes so from yeah, gun we're, and freedom. Yeah, right, we're closer. <laughs> we're closer than yeah. ever. I got to explain um, the wow, cool robot meme. Wonderful. Perfect. It's a, good yeah. it's a good podcast too. If you want to yeah. hear, if you, if anybody here wants to wants to hear somebody do what we're doing for for the Gundam anime, Wow Cool Robot is my personal pick. Um, I'm a I great Gundam project person, stuff. but Wow Cool Robot great. is also yeah. very good. So, um, yeah, but yeah, no Grimmer. Grimmer's just a really fun character, and I love this chapter of just getting to know him, getting to be a fan of him, getting to. The thing about Grimmer, I think the important thing about Grimmer from a visual standpoint is his smile and mm-hmm. when he's smiling and when he's not. Uh, and I think like keeping track of when he's smiling and when he's not tells you who he is um, a little bit. Uh, and and that, that becomes a, a little important later, I think. Uh, but he's just, you know, I have a real fondness for uh, always smiling types uh, kind of regardless of what role they play in the story, like Gen Ichimaru from from Bleach, uh, that's an that's an always smiler uh, of the sinister type, and boy, I sure do like him. Um, but there's there's like there's good character design stuff in this chapter. I particularly like uh, the uh, director of the orphanage that Grimmer's uh, uh, looking at. Big square um, glasses. Galbrecht. Yeah, he's cool. Um, I love his face design. He has this really like wide 
like wide face and I, I don't know what the word is for the like lines that go from your nose to the side of your mouth but his are very square um just this huge distance between his nose and his mouth uh, i just think like in terms of his facial construction it's a it's another new face you're you're like a, a, your style has to he has to run out of faces at some point he never does he never does he's always got he's always got a new one uh just locked and loaded ready to go uh it's it's pretty cool yeah he's great the things so my favorite grimmer bits are well first i really like the way he's introduced he's got like the catholic saint lighting behind him in the panel where we see his face right um also just like i think his name is like a fun joke right where it's like okay this guy's name is grimmer and he is like the happiest person we've met in this story so far um so that's good but i really like um after after he hangs out with that kid and the shoes when he's in the train station this dude comes up to him and runs a whole like hey you know i've lost my wallet i'm going to see my sister she's sick do you have any money and he just kind of it was i was really struck by how bought in he appears to be to this whole thing right like doesn't question it at all just completely goes along with it gives the guy money and then when a bystander like gives him shit for it and is like that dude just you know robbed you he kind of is acts like incredulous to this other guy right like what are you talking about what do you mean you know yeah i'm i'm gullible blah 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 and it's like it's fun to imagine that this is just like a nice dude who is it's almost like a bit that he's doing right where like he's pretending to be shocked by this um i i don't know and you know just kind of bumbling around um and like obviously later on we see that this is i think kind of his whole thing right as he acts like he's this big naive kind of softy guy and it, it he's able to use that to his advantage um but i it's a great character introduction we we already talked about the conversation they have about gundam he sings a song at one point um and if you go on youtube and find that song all of the comments are like i'm here after reading chapter 78 of monster <laughs> um, so it's uh it's it's yeah. it's good but i feel like also we're deep enough in the manga now that I know at least when, as much as I liked him uh, upon introduction, there's also this, like, sense of skepticism that you Mm -hmm. have. It's like, all right, are they going to pull the rug out from under us again? Like, is this someone who's just another in the long line of people who are very good at putting up an act? Mm -hmm. You know, whether it is Johan, whether it's, like, any of his followers, but, like, you see these acts of kindness, and you're like, okay, you know... Is he being scammed here? You know, is he actually gullible? Um, But if he knows better, you know, and is, like, just giving this dude money because he had the audacity to ask, uh, like, what is his purpose? Like, is that true altruism? That he is, like, being generous for the sake of being generous? Or is he, like, setting up some larger scheme, you know? Yeah. Also, speaking of, um... Uh... Speaking of, like... It's the middle of the manga and skepticism. I think there's another kind of skepticism somebody could reasonably have, which is more characters. Mm. But of course, this is this is an Urasawa manga, and there's always more characters. If you if you ever think you're done with new characters with this guy's work, you're absolutely you're absolutely wrong. And I think it's also cool. Like, and when I said mid season finale, I mean like I think how this how this uh, chapter starts and how this reading goes is really proof of that read on the last reading because this is very clearly like the start of something new this is a new character 
a new like the, it's a new character and he comes in with a goal and an arc right other characters uh it might take a little bit longer to understand their goal it might be like ah, i'm not sure exactly what this guy's doing here yet and then you find out later but with him within the first few pages we're like okay here's what he's doing we know that he his goal is aligned with the goals that that our team already has right he's he's working at parallel purposes with Tenma so we already know that even if we don't trust him all the way we can identify with his arc and we know he's going to Prague so like we have an idea of how he fits into this which there's a lot of other characters where that question is is it's a much bigger question mark um but with Grimmer Urasawa just pops right in there and he's like don't worry too much here's how he fits and he doesn't keep us in suspense and that helps that helps the flow of the new season happen right because he doesn't have the momentum in from previous readings you know when we've had new characters introduced we don't know what they're doing Urasawa's trusting the momentum he's built up to keep us going through some of that exposition and we see that uh later this reading with Suk uh Suk or Suk um uh I think he kind of sucks <laughs> uh, got him uh you know but here urasawa knows he doesn't have that momentum he needs to start building it up and so he gives us in, in he he throws us a bone with grimmer and who he is and his motivations uh, at least on a surface level and he makes him a very enjoyable person for us to be around so that we don't have to do any of the heavy lifting ourselves in terms of getting invested in this new in this new arc yeah uh, and i mean so, the, yeah. the other thing is tenma's here right away as opposed to like the munich chapters where it was like it was a big deal when tenma came back and i think it was the same with uh no no, no it, it was because we titled that episode tenma's return right because it was like we were waiting yeah. for him for a while and it's here this one ends with all right they're linked up together right away so i think that yeah. it confirms kind of what you're saying what you're positing here we don't see a lot of tenma in this reading but but what we do see uh, what we do see is very interesting, and I'm excited to talk about that uh, next chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, we, yeah, let's let's get into yeah. it. Yeah, uh, train hijinks. Have anything else on on seventy eight? That was it for me particular? for seventy eight. I think yeah. maybe the last thing to highlight is um is when Grimmer, you know, Grimmer says, "Gundam, I bought a model kit for my son. He loved it." Tenma asks, "Where's your son now?" Ah, well, he died. Yeah, the gun- and then they just sit there for a second. You know, Gundam and killed him. Get... <laughs> Wars of um, war. Uh, you know, and I think that is the way that that gets just like dropped and it hangs there. Because then... there's the silent frame where you just have train noises, yeah. which is which is fun. You know, it's really it's an interesting moment, I guess, because it is like, well, what do you say to that? Um, yeah, and it also. It gives us, you know, it gives the readers like, okay, maybe this has something to do. Maybe this has something to do with all of, all of, you know, Grimmer's motivations or whatever. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So we we'll can, uh, we can hit 79. Chapter 79. Picnic. Grimmer strategically holds up the cops so that Tenma can get off the train. After Tenma makes his escape, Grimmer catches up with them. They climb a little uh, mountain pillar thing, 
and they have a little picnic on top. And talk a little bit about life. And Tanima talks a little bit about shooting Roberto. Uh, Grimmer points Tenma uh, to a safe place to cross the border into the Czech Republic and lets Tenma know that no matter what we've done, we still have to do what we have to do. And then in Prague, Grimmer catches up with the guy who directed 511 Kinderheim. Dun, dun, dun. That's chapter seventy nine. Yeah, I I like I like the bit of train interference. You know, um, I I do still think that like at this point I was very much questioning uh, Grimmer's motives. You know, because he it's it's revealed that like oh he's very familiar with who Tenma is. Like he's been tracking mm-hmm. him down. You know, the the implication is that like he is here specifically to run interference for Tenma. Uh, and to make sure he gets where he's going to. Um, and I think, you know, you don't know, like, is that because, like, he is actually, you know, on the side of justice and is, like, just a good spy uh, and did a good job of, like, figuring out, like, who my allies are in this pursuit of his and, like, exposing the orphanage type stuff? Or is it another instance of, like, Johan deploying someone to like mm-hmm. try and like get Tenma into his fold or keep an eye on him or or something like that. Because after they get off the train and Grimmer's like, "Oh hey yeah, I like I followed you. You know, let's have let's have a picnic on this Hunter Hunter rock over here." <laughs> um, That's exactly what the fuck it is. Yeah, it's like you expect some weird bird to fly by, um, but. I think the more he talks about his son uh, and the more he talks about, like, what he feels to be obligation, you know, obviously he is trying to get some kind of justice for the untimely death of his son. You know, he says, like, oh, if a doctor like you was there, then maybe this wouldn't have happened. Uh, Like, he's trying to, like, protect kids at any cost. And it is kind of weirdly at odds with Tenma's like, well, protecting kids is well and good, but like, I did that too hard once and and (laughs) now I gotta, I gotta roll that back. (laughs) (laughs) Too much of a good thing. Uh, I, we, Tyler, you're explaining that right now. I think I've just unlocked his motivation and the backstory here for something. And it's, I like, I'm not, I don't want to say it right now, but if it ends up being what happened, I will say, and I realized this while Tyler was explaining what's going on. So, uh, cause I think we're probably a couple chapters out from more backstory getting, getting revealed. Um, but the, are you going to hold on to this? You're going to hold on to this called shot. I Gamble. am. I'll, I'll write Gamble, it down coward. on a piece of paper. Oh, uh, and that way, we, well, cause I don't want to, I think it'll be a fun reveal if it ends up happening is the, is the thing, right? Like, I don't want to spoil that for listeners who have not, um, cause at this point I'm, I'm pretty confident this is, this is the way that things went. Uh, okay. uh all right, all right, all right. Yeah. I, I mean. I don't know if, like, I, I will get, like, a little bit 
of a spoiler into it. Um, yeah. Well, if you're gonna go for it, I will also go for it. It, it might be something. It might be something fun. different. I just kind of like a parallel thing. Uh, first off, bread, cheese, and wine. Uh, you know, Matt's the favorite perfect meal, meal on, on display. Yep. Um, but I, I think it's interesting that like Tenma is talking about you know like shooting people and how hard it was to like shoot and like how weird it feels that you know his hands are steady afterwards um and grimmer doesn't really have much to say about that like yeah he they, kinda, they time jumped. he pivots to talking about fishing and talking about the border you know uh and like, hey, I think you're still a doctor, uh, you know, even though Tenma says like, well, after, you know, after murdering someone, I can no longer consider myself a doctor. Uh, the thing I want to focus on is that it comes up later that Grimmer like never uses a gun. Uh, and so when Tenma talks about like the experience of like shooting someone and like being shaky the first part and then hand being still the second part. Mm. Um, I don't know if it's relevant at all, but like revisiting it now on the podcast, I was like, oh, yeah, I guess I guess he wouldn't have much to say about like gunmanship uh, unless that's like there's a reason why he doesn't use a gun anymore. That's a really good poll. Um, mm. That's a really good poll. And I, I like that whole conversation. I will I'll make my call shot in a second. But my favorite part of that, I think, is Grimmer has this bit where he talks about like, Hey, false accusations were like a thing that happened all the time in East Germany. You just kind of develop this sense of like who is guilty and who's innocent, um, which that is the thing that we've talked about a bunch of times now, right? Like what kind of person does this seem to be? There was yeah, that old cop. A, we've had a um, few people who mm -hmm. have this sense from for various reasons and from various experiences. Right. And I like this idea, and we've talked about this too, right? That in the world of Monster, there's this kind of black and white moral universe that is just like absolute right and people can kind of tap into it and it's like this is how who good and bad people are and like the most the most monstrous thing is this thing that is just like inexplicably dark and evil and we we can't figure out yeah, why yeah because the the consistently the people that we're supposed to trust their judge of character the most are kids Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, pure children, mm -hmm. like they know what's what's up. But also, this is a the story kids about really don't know what's up. It's the other <laughs> the thing. one worst kid. <laughs> yeah, the well, one kid is... who's like moral who is so bad that just everyone is never it's be like, trusted. Not me. I, I will. I will push back. Your kids don't know who to trust. I think one of the most important things this manga says is that kids don't. Right, kids like like that. Um, like that one lady that ran that orphanage said, kids are. Or, or maybe it was that that other motherfucker. Um, but kids are entirely dependent on who is raising them, right? Kids yeah. will kids, are kids dumb will as hell. accept, <laughs> you know, whatever whatever they are given. Um, but I, it's almost like knowing who's guilty and who's not. It comes from something in yourself, mm -hmm. right? Like Dieter, Dieter knows who he is and he knows what's right for him, um, and. Uh, and that cop, you know, he lost his sense when he lost that faith in himself. Uh, so it, it's just like, whenever you find these, these various people in this series who have that sense, um, it is, it has to do with, with, with how they feel about themselves, which I think is something, uh, very interesting. 
Um, I like I also, it when people just inexplicably yeah. can make character calls. Like, I just always think that's fun, right? It's a fun is like thing. when we don't have yeah. to narrativize around, okay, you know, how do I do this and that and the other? It's just like, yeah, I know you're cool. Um, I do think, you know, I, I think that this chapter is interesting because what we see here, like, look at it this way. So, so we get a lot of Tenma going, I shot someone, he's probably dead. Um, I'm not a doctor anymore. And I think another way that you could approach this is to have the the previous chapter in this chapter focus more on Tenma and what it's like for him having shot someone because you just know this dude is tossing and turning in his fucking hotel rooms just like in there, but we don't see that. We we see his character development from the outside where we're from Grimmer's viewpoint this chapter and we just we don't see what Tenma's thinking, we only know what he says. You know, we see him being quite sullen and, and not speaking very much. Um, and, and, you know, how we see the emotion in his face when when he says that uh, he's not a doctor anymore uh, those couple of times. You know, um, and I think seeing him from the outside, being forced away from our viewpoint on him, um, especially after how close our viewpoint was in last reading, right? Scared to Cat Tenma. We were with Tenma in a way that we really hadn't been. Mm. And now we're further away from him than we've ever been too. Uh, and I think that like that change in our relationship with Tenma, our, our perspective on Tenma in this really pivotal moment for Tenma is, um, or in the, in this, in this pivotal process is super duper, like it's a really interesting pick it's a super interesting thing to do uh in terms of uh the reader's relative narrative position i think it's an awesome move yeah Yeah, and then at the at the end of this reading uh he specifically goes up to a guy like sitting at a cafe and is like hey you're Herr petrov uh, or should I say, yeah. <laughs> Reinhardt Biermann? Uh, and, like, gets into the, like, uh, I know you're the Kinderheim guy. Like, you've been going under an assumed name. Yeah. There's actually, there's a great little detail here. Super easy to miss. Um, it's a bit, it's, it's on the first couple of pages where uh, we see the guy. If you look very closely at the newspaper, and on the last page when we see him, if you look at the newspaper, that's a German newspaper. It's not Czech. Mm. Which is just, just a, mwah, just a beautiful, beautiful touch. You know, because it didn't have to be any language at all. But Urasawa is like, I can, I can have fun with this, you know. Yeah. Um, well, just, you have to check yourself before you wreck yourself. Exactly. Exactly. It's a whole. I mean, because he comes up, he's like, "Is anyone sitting here?" And the guy's like, "Yes." And then he sits down, anyways. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, it's yeah. it's fun. Um, do we have any more notes, or should I make my call shot before we we move on? Uh, I just like it when I like it that Grimmer is talking about the fish he caught, and it's the same panel a couple of times. He's like, "Trout this big." You really catch trout this big. Uh, it's um, good stuff. I do think that that is him signing his death warrant in the way that any of these nice schmaltzy m- moments are. At some point, he's going to die before he can catch another trout that is <laughs> this big. Um, but I think uh, I think he's investigating this, and he makes a big deal about being freelance for a while, right? We know that his son died. We know that these orphanages 
that the East German state run, it was like they put polit- children of political prisoners or dissidents or people like that in these. I think his son ended up in one of these and might have even ended up at Kinderheim and died there. I don't know for sure, but I think that's I think that's why he's interested in this. Right. Um, we will see. We will see. We'll see. All right. So chapter 80, The Ghost of 511. Uh, so Grimmer has uh, Herr Petrov, uh, who we now know to be Reinhardt Biermann, cornered and confronts him about Kinderheim 511. Uh, supposedly, Biermann specialized in chemical personality modification or brainwashing, um, but was still appointed the director of this orphanage. So Grimmer is convinced that even if, you know, the documents from Kinderheim you know, like if East Germany disappeared them when the wall came down, that Biermann would have kept some of these notes, regardless, because he's a scholar. And, you know, he's like, Biermann's trying to, like, walk away from the cafe, and uh, Grimmer just keeps following him, and he says, like, hey, a scholar values his research papers and data over his own life. Like, there's no way you would have thrown this away. And he, and he keeps pestering him uh and Bierman isn't really engaging like he just kind of keeps walking and is like you know leave me alone etc etc uh until Grimmer accuses him of using humans as guinea pigs and at that point Bierman like swings around and smacks Grimmer in the face with his cane like so hard that it splits his cheek open and I I think for the rest of the reading Mm -hmm. uh Grimmer has like a little band-aid over over that wound uh that he gives him and so, like, Grimmer can tell, like, oh, like, I've, I've touched on something here. Uh, and right away, he assumes that Beerman's pissed because the experiment failed. And he's like, oh, are you, like, are you, you know, are you upset because it failed? And Beerman claims, no, it was succeeding. Like, now he's, like, he's engaging. Like, he has tacitly admitted that, like, yes, you have the right person because, you know, he really is tied up in, like, valuing his research you know uh and he says it was the new director after him that screwed things up and let the massacre occur so grimmer doubles down on asking for proof of its success then like if you want me to believe it's a success then like show me your research but beerman warms him off saying you know he's going down a dangerous road uh and the two are like about to get into a shouting match until a pair of young boys show up and they they call beerman grandpa uh and grimmer you know, relents. He's like, oh, you know, he clearly we've established that he has a soft spot for kids. Um, but he's bothered that, like, as Beerman goes away uh, with his grandkids, he's bothered that, like, oh, you know, kind of sucks that this guy gets to enjoy a normal life devoid of consequences for what he did. You know, it's like he's like this guy, you know, in Grimmer's mind, like this guy killed kids and now he gets to be just kind of a fun grandpa. Uh, so time skip we're at grimmer's hotel uh and he wakes up to people knocking on the door claiming they have a package from mr petrov which we know is beerman's fake name uh grimmer immediately knows what's up flees out the fire escape before you know finding beerman in a park uh and grimmer sits down on the bench next to him and it's all like isn't freedom great like now that the wall's down you're free to watch your grandkids play soccer all day because you know they're the kids are out you know kicking a ball around the park and he's like and i'm free to keep following you forever until you (laughs) give me what you want uh he's just kind of like yeah freedom's grand like you're free to you know be a doting old grandpa now and i'm free to stalk you uh 
Beerman still doesn't bite. So Grimmer starts talking about, you know, it's like, I know where you live. Like, I don't know how you can afford a, such a nice house. Like, did you sell off, you know, the information about your failed experiment? And Beerman again, like, the thing that keeps getting him is he says, like, the, the experiment was a success. You know, like, stop telling, calling it a failure. It was a success. Blah, it was a success. Please just leave me alone. And so again, some time passes. We're, we're unsure if it's like the same day, if it's a different day. Uh, but sometime later, Grimmer's still uh, tracing him and he's observing Beerman at a cafe with two kids. And uh, they're, they're eating like ice cream or something. And he thinks to himself, damn, these kids like really have it good. Like they've, they're going to the movies. They're out in the park playing soccer. Now they're getting chocolate parfaits. Like these, this pair of kids is spoiled. Before realizing, oh shit, these were all different kids. They're, they all have Aryan features. They're all blonde-haired, blue-eyed, so like the confusion is understandable. But what he thought was the same pair was six distinct children that he has seen over this course of time. And we have this nice like panel flashback where you see like, oh yeah, there are like slight differences in haircuts. You know, slight mm -hmm. differences between these children. Um, and so he rushes to Beerman's home and he knocks on the door. Like, a kid opens it, and he's like, hey, I'm a nice guy, let me in. And he gets inside, and he finds that there are, like, a dozen more kids here. And they are all boys the same age as the Kinderheim children. Like, all of them, except for, like, a few brown-haired children, are the same, like, Aryan features. And the chapter started on, like, a cool full-color spread of, like, the class photo from Kinderheim. Mm. Uh, and, like, it ends on this, like... Uh, nice big panel of these kids again like kind of just like assembled you know looking into uh the camera of the panel uh and he falls to his knees stunned uh and like just barely gets out the words he's doing it again he's repeating the same experiment uh and you can tell that like he's very bothered by this he does not think that it is a good thing that this <laughs> this fake grandpa has a bunch of kids in his house <laughs> Yep. it's fantastic it's so scary like it, it's stomach yeah. dropping like I, like you said the reveal when it's the six different panels like that's great um because if you're just kind of reading you're like, yeah you'd miss it the same way and then it's just totally. like nope it was here the whole time um yeah it's it's very good it's a good you know we're, we're talking we've talked about like the different modes of an urasawa manga and this is a really good example of an investigative mode that doesn't drag it's got a good, it's got a good clip. Like you're still learning stuff and you're investigating things. You're digging into something. Um, and you really feel like you're getting something new each, each page. You're like, what's going on with this? What's going on with this? You know, uh, it also, it, it also helps that you have the shot in the arm of, uh, people trying to kill Grimmer. Um, uh, Color Which, again, like when front. he flees, when he flees down the fire escape, like he smiles and waves back at the window. Yeah. Like, he, he is a pro. He's not letting him bother this bother him. He was kind of expecting it, we mm. think. He's like, oh, you, you like you got your goons, you know, on me. Are these the same people that like helped you assume a false identity? Um, yeah. Like he knows that there's more than meets the eye here, but he is making it clear like you can send as many people after me as you want. You know, totally. it's not going to stop me. Yeah. Um, do you have any thoughts about the color pages early on? Um. Well, I think I Tyler like, um, pointed out the the spread, the class photo one, and like yeah, that's very that good. one's that one's really cool. And I also think it, it, like that one I like to highlight 
A, because the layout's good, right? It's this kind of widescreen shot with a bunch of uh, gutter up top and at the bottom. Uh, Wolfgang and uh, Bierman are both foregrounded, right? They're not part of the class photo. And that class photo, just another good example. Every time you think Urasawa's out of faces, check that out. Um, that's It's like a fucking character creator in there. You know, you can see the different ways that he draws noses, mouths, jawlines. Like, it's a great example of how Urasawa thinks about and how he composes a face structure just for this one kind of child, right? Like, it's these are just a bunch of little Aryan kids. Um, and this is the variety that he, that he can introduce to just this one kind of person. Um, I also, you know, in general, with yeah. all the, the color spreads, uh, in mm-hmm. the perfect edition, I'm not sure, like, how much of that is, you know, recreating the serialized version, um, or how much of it is, like, the limitations of printing. Like, I, uh-huh. I've, you know, so I ran a play publishing press, um, And I am, you know, more actively running a games, you know, design and publishing tabletop role playing game company. And so I I price a lot of print runs like and I design a lot of books. Sure. And so each of these color spreads like it will start off the first couple pages full color. You know, we've got like purples and blues and greens and things like that. And then a couple pages in it'll it transitions to more like muted brown tones. Like, it's Mm -hmm. browns and reds and grays. Um, And I like that, like, the final color page, you know, we get that red splash of blood Mm -hmm. um, for the the wound on Grimmer's cheek. Yeah, and and the sound effect, like, the big sound effect in red is really, really good. But I would be curious to know, like, in the printing of this, is it a matter of, like, okay, you know, we can afford this many full color... And we can afford this many, like, partial color. Or if it is, like, an intentional transition from color to black and white. Because uh, you see how, like, in the full color, uh, Grimmer has, like, kind of, you know... He's got a like, green shirt. A blondish yeah. brown hair, too. And then during that, like, half-color period, you see, like, okay, his hair is now represented as white. His shirt is now represented as gray. And once we get to the fully you know, grayscale, like, okay, his shirt is gray, his hair is white. It is almost yeah. like a, you know, the color washed out, like, almost. yeah, Trains pulled out. And um, then it just I... continues to be black and white for the rest of it. I know I enough it. about uh, manga publishing. Um, basically, like, I would say that they have a particular amount of budget for color, mm-hmm. right? And I expect that Urasawa uses that budget intentionally to create... Basically, he wants that uh, slow... He wants to ease the reader back into black and white, because if it was from full, full color straight back into black and white, that might be jarring. You might miss the color Yeah, it's probably like six of one, half a dozen of the other. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like, yes, there are limitations, but also, like, okay, do I want to, like, just throw from one thing to the other? Yeah. So, yeah, but I think it's interesting. Um, I, one other minor uh, color thing. Uh, during during the bit where Grimmer is needling uh, Beerman, uh, he asks if the experiment was a success, and the background color in that panel is tinged red, uh, which is 
um, not it's not tinged uh, nearly so red in in the other panels in the sequence, uh, and I think it counts as a jack in the box actually. You know, um, it's very it's a it's a cool it's a cool sequence. You know, you love someone who's just like hounding a bad guy with the hard questions. Who yeah. doesn't love hounding a, a bad guy with the with the hard questions? Um, you yeah, know, right. there's a couple good panels with like their yeah. shadows in these ones, where it's like you know, yes. uh, Grimmer following behind Petrov, Beerman, um, you know, big shadow of big tall, scary Grimmer, and then kind of punched over Petrov. Um, and I, I like those; that's fun because I don't really think we've done too much shadow stuff yet. Yeah. Like, I don't think it's something we've really talked about. But I, it, it's cool. It's fun. Um, I, the mention of chemical personality modification, I love to use the phrase cheap heat. And this is one of the ones I hear we border on it. There's a run of Batman comics. Um, and it happens in the first Dark Knight movie too, where it's like, uh oh, Joker toxin or scarecrow gas or something. Like that is always something that just makes me like, it's one of my least favorite. It just makes me feel bad, right? Because it's like these people, it's, it's, it is you are preying on innocent people in a way that maybe they can't even understand or recognize, right? So it's, and it's like, that is why Grimmer is hounding this guy as much as he is, right? Because of these terrible things that he did. And I think you mentioned Quinn in the earlier chapters, you know, when is he smiling? When is he not? The first time that we really see him frown is when he's like, consider like Bierman is left and he's reflecting on, you know, it is unfair that this guy is able to live out his life in peace with his grandchildren after the horrible things that he did. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's good. It works. I think, uh, yeah. especially because of where it goes. Yeah. I'll there's keep reading interesting, it. There's some interesting <laughs> political, just a little bit of political commentary here. When Grimmer uh, catches back up with Beerman at the park. Um, oh wait, it's at this park. I've been to this park. Ha! Um, you have, that's a real yeah. park. <laughs> yeah, it's a real park. It's um, it's overlooking most of the city. Uh, I, I've, like I said, I've been to Prague that one time, and I, I went to this park. It was very nice. I ran, I ran down a hill too fast and fell down, and I can only imagine that uh, my uh, the friends of of my Czech host thought I was being a real American at the time. <laughs> um, just seems I, like kind of an American thing to do to run down a hill too fast and fall down. Who doesn't I, love falling down a hill? Also, uh visited Prague once but that was just to like get my ass kicked in soccer by a bunch of random kids um and then (laughs) be so embarrassed that I would never ever go back I I actually like uh they got you they're still there I have have yet to leave the continent uh but I would I would like to um, we just have to develop a stable of boys who are very good at soccer that we can bring with us. It's an experiment. Happy Pride Month, everybody. We just have to develop a stable of boys. <laughs> yeah. Um, ugh. Uh, uh, Grimmer talks about how, like, when I was a newspaper journalist in East Germany, a life like this was beyond my wildest dreams. I'm a freelance journalist. Under the socialist regime, that was unthinkable. Isn't freedom wonderful? Um, which is, boy, uh, it's a real, it's a real 90s uh, way to put it. But, but, here is the important thing. Um, that is very much how the people who live there feel about it. Okay. Um, especially, especially of that generation. Uh, it was one of the interesting things about the, about the culture when I was, when I was visiting Prague, you know, and, you know, and, uh, like the, the friend that I was visiting is, is a very close friend and we talk about, like, cultural differences and stuff like that a lot. And, 
one thing that's interesting about the the Czech uh, uh, mentality toward this stuff is that like uh, socially they they tend you know a little more a little more left than some of the other uh, countries in in Central and East Europe right they're a little bit more up on LGBT stuff for example but when it comes to socialism versus capitalism they had such a bad fucking time under the USSR that they just cannot, they cannot stand the word. They cannot stand the word. They cannot stand the thought. Um, and so like what reads to, to the modern eye, you know, because like, because this stuff is a lot more in question now than it was in the nineties, you know, the question of capitalism versus socialism, the question of how you should really, you know, run things and, and what's good and kind and what counts as freedom. That stuff's a lot more up in the air these days. Um, uh, you know, but it's, but it being as this was written in the 90s from a 90s perspective the wall came down the ussr is is this uh, regime that's that's crumbling you know uh, and prague in particular uh, the, the czech republic the velvet uh, the velvet revolution um you know over overthrowing that and and trying to become their own country uh we just have to know I just think it's important to remind our modern readers of what the context was of this at the time, because it it feels weird to read it now uh, as a as a young leftist sort. Totally. Uh, but but the the context of things back then was was very very different, and it's uh, and I think in order for us to understand the politics of what this manga is doing and how the politics are are slotting into everything else, we just have to remember to stand where. We have to remember to be standing in the 90s and to be looking at it from the 90s. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for calling that out because I did, when we were reading it, I was like, oh, this is the way that like my dad and all of my older relatives talk it's about a socialism. Real, it's right? a real NATO-ass yeah. kind of uh, I love uh, capitalism. Kind of exactly. You know. <laughs> like we have wonderful. someone legitimately in one of the upcoming bits just say like. Just say it. Don't you yeah. like capitalism? I it's love great. capitalism. Capitalism yeah the best there's actually there's a funny story my dad visited uh the czech republic right after um they started doing capitalism and it's just a funny story because he was like they didn't quite get it yet they would have a sign that said they were having a sale but the price wouldn't change they knew they were <laughs> supposed to be having a sale but they didn't know they didn't know what to what to do with the concept yes we're um, having a sale we are selling things exactly you know uh but it's just, you know, it's a really, it's such an interesting and complicated time and place that, you know, we would need to do a lot of research to really have a handle on. And we also don't know how much research Urasawa did on it. So, you know, like there's, it's super interesting. Um, and, you know, maybe this will inspire me to watch some documentaries or something. And I, I've always actually had kind of an interest in the Czech Republic and this, one of the reasons I like monsters so much is, is this focus on on what I think is a really interesting culture and country and history within Central Europe. Yeah. Uh, Tyler, do you have any other big notes yeah. on, on this chapter? Nope. I, yeah, I, I, I'm, my affection for Grimmer is only growing. Same. Totally. Uh, I think the only other note that I have is like on those scenes where Grimmer enters the apartment, he sees all the kids, uh, some great visual details. The little drawings the kids have done. There's a, a a bunch of stickers on a cabinet nearby. Uh, you can 
see like the kids like a couple of them are playing like they have a little like soccer play set and other ones like reading a, a book about animals it's got a little picture of a frog in it you know uh just all of these things all of these details that could have been elided right details that could have been expressed but not shown urasawa drew them he made choices for them and i think that really uh with the stuff that comes in next chapter i think that says something i think it's intended to set up what kind of a place this is yeah this is a great call from your part because like when i look at that spread initially and i think it's like you said with the reveal it gets reframed but the thing i'm seeing is the looks on the faces right which i think are supposed mm-hmm. to they kind of fall into that genre of scary looking kid right yeah it's, it's like bit, it's definitely a bit creepy and that's what and that's where grimmer is right like he's doing it again he's you know he's messing up these kids but yeah like you said even from here if you stop and look for a moment you can see like well that's that's not quite what's going on um so it's it's cool i like it okay uh chapter 81 a new experiment uh beerman slash petrov arrives to find grimmer with the boys and explains that he rescued them from a red light district at the german border when the wall fell grimmer asks petrov why he's repeating the experiment and petrov scoffs explaining that the 511 experiment was a success and there's no need to repeat it he elaborates, telling Grimmer that 511 was an education program to develop superlative subjects, and Grimmer's understanding of the atrocities that happened there is wrong. Everything fell apart when darkness, hatred, and nihilism took over, all because of a boy who showed up at 511. Grimmer rebuffs Petrov and says that his research has shown that things went wrong because the boys at 511 were unable to love. Grimmer threatens to turn Petrov over to the police which prompts Petrov to offer his research notes, which he has kept, as a trade. Grimmer says that he needs a moment to think and takes the boys to the park to play soccer. He decides to turn Petrov in and explains to the boys that they'll be free, and is shocked when they don't seem to want this, and all appear to be genuinely happy living with Petrov. The group returns to Petrov's house, passing a beautiful woman on the street, and are shocked to find Petrov and his housekeeper have been shot dead. Petrov gives Grimmer a key and instructions on how to find his notes, which include a taped interview with the boy who brought darkness to 511. As he dies, he reveals that these boys were an experiment to develop boys who would not be overcome by darkness, and the missing variable the first time was love. As Petrov dies, Grimmer sadly remarks that this isn't a revolutionary new experiment, it's just the way that everyone knows children should be raised. That last bit was probably my favorite part. Of it's him great. just saying like, "Oh yeah, yeah, you, you should love kids if you want. <laughs> like, you should give them a good childhood." Yeah. Um, but it's also like, I don't know. Uh, it, it it's a bit tropey in a way of you know like the the purely scientific mind, you know, of like. You know, the person who has to, like, you know, justify their humanity as, like, part of some, like, great study or great experiment or, like, you know, showing kindness as, like, oh, I'm not just doing this because, like, this is, like, a more enjoyable way to live life, but, like, oh, this is, you know, this is part of, like, my my research, etc. Um, but it is also, like... I don't know. There there's there's something moving about someone who for all, you know, appearances or as we're like 
led to believe in the manga, like had a change of heart, you know, uh, like was confronted by an an atrocity that they were complicit in and tried to rectify it in some way. So like almost going back to, you know, Grimmer saying to Tenma, like, hey, we all have like our, you know, Mm -hmm. like the things that we need to do. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know. There's something nice about him making it his mission to be like, hey, I'm going to make sure that like, you know, (laughs) I raise the least traumatized kids ever (laughs) and then get shot in front of them. (laughs) It's really, well, it is interesting, right? Because he says that the experiment was a success, except that the, the kids at 501 Kinderheim were particularly, they were vulnerable to whatever, to the elements that, that Johan introduced. Yeah. Right. And it's very, I think this matches up very, very closely with the stuff that we were talking about uh, in previous episodes about loneliness, isolation. These are the things that make a person kill, and these are the things that make a person vulnerable to the desire to kill, maybe, or to justifications for killing, right? Um, you know, and then what makes someone what makes someone strong? What makes someone protected? Uh, and uh, introducing, like, saying nihilism specifically, I think, is super important here, uh, because it's about valuing life, valuing your life, valuing existence. So what what makes you value existence? Love. What is love? Connecting with people. You know, it's it's such a it's a great encapsulation and a, a further iteration on the themes that that we've been exploring. There's also the like, you know, that idea of. Uh like judges of character and mm. things like that. Uh, and beyond, you know, the typical like innocence of children, etc. Like these are children that when Grimmer goes to them and says like, hey, you can like get out of the house or like, you know, or like, hey, here's my plan for you. They say no. Like they are, you know, we don't know too much about the Kinderheim experiment, but like, Clearly, those children were, like, able to be influenced, you know, and maybe that was part of the experiment to, like, not only generate these, like, uh, these Ubermensch, but also, like, have them, you know, be influential or, in like, able to be influenced, rather, uh, that, like, oh, whatever, like, superiors, you know, whoever is, like, carrying on the experiment, that they will follow orders, you know, the perfect soldier, perhaps. Uh, so to have these kids that, you know, through the second experiment, they're being raised in a way where not only are they like, you know, good judges of character, supposedly, but also like they're able to make their own choices. They have the freedom, uh, to choose like who they want to live with, you know, what they want to do, etc. that, uh, we can assume these other children did not have. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, that's, that's a good point. When when they're challenged, like when when Grimmer offers them, you know, a, a different a different life, none of them are scared. They're not threatened by it in any way. You know, they're not they're not scared of adults. They have no reason to be. They've been raised with love. Yeah, I think. And there is still like the specter of like, okay, how much of this is Stockholm syndrome, etc. Uh, but it seems like I don't know. He materially improved their lives. In a lot yeah. of ways. 
And I mean, yeah. what was the stated goal of this experiment? Again, I, I guess for this, I'm jumping forward a little bit, right? But the, the goal is, hey, we want children who won't be overcome by darkness, right? Yeah. And Tyler, you made the joke like, yeah, he's raised the least traumatized kids and then their grandpa is killed in front of them. But like yeah. in the in the following chapters, we see they're pretty much able to take this in stride. I mean, like they're sad, but they are not overcome with darkness, yeah. right? They're, like, no. they're able to keep going. Yeah. yeah. Especially because, like, they're, like, kept together in, like, groups. Even yes. if they're not all together, they're kept kind of together. And and you can see, or I think it, it's it's implied in a way that they are still, like, they're there for each other and they're helping each other through it. You know, that, it's resilience. Resilience is community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, to seize on that yeah. some that, like, also, you know, like, it sadly mirrors things that we still have to deal with today. Of, like, these are children that, like... We mostly see them outside of their home. We mostly mm-hmm. see them in the community, like enjoying everything that life has to offer. Like they're going to movies, they're getting food, all these different kinds of things. Like these are not like isolated children. You know, I, I feel like part of why they're able to be resilient and actually move through the world is because mm-hmm. they have lived in the world. And like how many, you know, like mass shooters or things do we have uh or even just like to like dial it back some you know the the weird trolls online mm. who you know so much of their like lack of perspective or even just like the urgency that they feel to you know like like no one else realizes you know this thing or like i have to like you know i alone am the person who is feeling these things and have had these experiences and i need everyone to hear about it is because they aren't like interacting with the world they don't have like a conception of the fact that like someone else is making that ice cream for you you know someone else hmm. is making that movie it's just like you know pure consumerism yeah no connections yeah. it's uh um, that's good it's good it's it's a yeah. good chapter um quick a uh, quick check lesson um so uh at, at the start um the housekeeper comes in um I was hoping and, you'd explain this actually. Yeah, she's going to make kanelki. So, uh kanelki dumplings are not dumplings as you conceive of them, dear listener. Uh kanelki. Um basically they are like little loaves. They are like little loaves of very dense, very moist bread. And so Czech food is it a lot of times it's very saucy. Right? You get, like, some meat and a whole bunch of nice thick sauce. And then you get these, you know, like, three or four, like, thick slices of kinedliki on the side. And so what you do is you keep your knife in your right hand the whole time you eat. Right? Uh, you never you never swap over. Um, and you cut off some of the meat. And then you grab some of the dumpling and then you use the knife as like a little spoon to put some sauce on the dumpling. And that is, that is how you eat a lot of, a lot of Czech foods. It, suppers in particular have that, have these very heavy, thick sauces and, and the Knedliki are, are sauce vehicles. Um, not a lot of flavor on their own, but maybe like a slight yeastiness to them. Um, you know, they're generally steamed or boiled dumplings uh but yeah like the the concept of like dumpling is honestly a bad translation it's a bad word for them because you know when we hear dumplings we're like it's something that has stuff inside it well i will say very quickly as someone living in the south sometimes people go biscuits dumplings 
Tree and I, drop and the dumplings. way you're the way you're talking about drop it, like dumplings, dumplings yeah, yeah. kind of kind of similar. Yeah, it's it's a crime to call biscuits dumplings. Also, yeah, by the way, chicken and dumplings. That's chicken and biscuits. <laughs> whoa, whoa! There's look. There's other kind. Okay, we're getting we're getting into it. We're getting but into there's other kinds talk. of dumplings. Yeah, yeah. Don't so, even get anyway. me started on gnocchi. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Anyway, gnocchi very very tasty. Um, and very Czech, quite mm. identifiably like this is <laughs> this is a very Czech uh, food. I would I'm also like to now. draw attention to the fact that um, this chapter also has an instance of uh, Grimmer just getting his ass beat in soccer. <laughs> totally, yeah, yeah. Like he's trying; he can't keep up with these kids. Like he has like one of his like moments of like, oh, I'm thinking about things and implications and they just straight up like kick a ball at his head <laughs> uh, he <laughs> yeah. falls on his butt and they call him a dork <laughs> and they just like laugh and laugh at him and there's a moment of like oh are these kids malicious yes you know i love this are actually they, i made a note too like mm-hmm. are they picking on him um and then you kind of realize like no they're just kids being kids like yeah. he can tell like he watches their faces and he's like oh they're all like genuinely happy it's a really good way for him to have this revelation, I think, right? And it's like for the reader as well, for me, it was like, it, just like you said, it's these aren't demon kids. These are just children playing soccer with a gangly tall dude. It is funny how how scared of children this this monk, like you're scared of the kids, like a kid shows up and, and, and you go like, Ugh. Well, that's you know, the like, Stephen Ugh. King of it all too. Yes. Like there is a certain totally. brand of horror that like, you know, taught people that, like, yeah, kids are scary. And part of that is because they are so, like, unknowable. They're so vulnerable, you know? too. Yeah, it's, yeah. And there's, it, it's what I said about, like, the chemical stuff, right? It's like, you have no way of knowing how you are going to mess this thing up. And that is terrifying for you as an adult. Mm-hmm. There's also something interesting here, which, like, in the phrasing, Johan wasn't part of the experiment, right? Like they were saying, they weren't even trying to make someone like Johan. But it's just important to remember that what Johan did, like, Kinderhorn 511 was was horrible, monstrous, no matter what. But Johan came in and outdid them at their own game. Right? Yeah. Like, whatever Johan is, is even worse <laughs> than military programming. Yeah, I love that we keep like, getting fuel added to the fire, that he is something so supernaturally yeah, monstrous from a deeper and darker wherever the word they use is overtook he overtook the whole thing terrifying i think one other thing that we want to make explicit in this chapter is also that like the beautiful woman appears to be nina yeah and i hate that this makes me very anxious because like, as, it is as very nina coded like we just see hair and yeah. like you know some shoulders uh but it is like We've really kind of had, you know, the Nina profile, like, drilled into our brains at this point in the manga. And mm-hmm. we don't see the face, but, like, the implication is pretty clear. Uh, yeah. Like, it could be a fake out, but it is, like, as a reader, I think that's what we're led to believe. As someone who has a crush on Nina Fortner, as our listeners know, I am hoping that this is a fake out because uh, I don't I mean, look, you kill people when you got it in this manga is the way that it goes. But also, I hope that she did not murder this man and his housekeeper. Yeah. 
We'll see. As someone who knows if this is a fake out or not, I legally cannot say. There anything, you go. Good. Which also makes this a very good reading for for Tyler to be here for because Tyler can like, have a conversation yeah. about this. You know? I, I I also do not know. I mean, I'll have some thoughts. Yeah, we have some uh, thoughts later. We'll we see have some a stuff bit to get more to. in the coming yeah. chapters, but there's some I'll, good I'll Nina stuff. Are we yeah. ready for chapter eighty two then? I think so. Um, I oh. think maybe one sense, one last thing. Like, I just love, you know, we said it's a bit tropey, this guy, um, uh, you know, approaching regular things as a scientist. But I just think, I think it's really interesting. I love how he calls love a totally new discovery. You know, uh, and, and like Tyler said, Grimmer says, that's normal. And the guy says, no, it was just an experiment. And th- just like what... What a, what a crazy, what crazy last words, you know, it's, um, yeah, for your last words you, to be, fuck these kids. <laughs> yeah, you know, or, or not even that, like, to me, it just, it, it is such a I'm strong way to characterize Beerman and what he actually cared about, you know, um, evil is, evil is in what you do, uh, and, and it's, Characters like these are always interesting to me. The ones that are, like, like they actually have no allegiance to any moral way of seeing the world. This guy just wanted to science. figure out how children worked and and is such a sociopath. Like, he didn't... This was the only way he knew how to do it. Um, it's... There's something really interesting about it to me. Um, it kind of reminds me... Yeah. I was thinking about this not too long ago, just randomly. Like... You know, when you're when I was in third or fourth grade, like one of the thought experiments that I just remember having during class one time was like, hey, if you just put a bunch of people, like if you took a bunch of babies and put them somewhere, what like how would language work or something like that? Right. And you you always read those stories about like back in ancient times, they tried doing this. And like, obviously, of course, it went wrong for all these different reasons, because like that's a horrible thing to actually do. Right. But it's it feels like it's in that same vein of like this dude is just doing these weird thought experiments. Yeah. Yeah, totally. What if I give a child a toy? <laughs> <laughs> Hypothesis. Fascinating. They'll have fun. Um, yeah. Chapter 82. Key. Grimmer meets with Detective Zema of the Prague Police Department, who recounts Beerman's history. Uh, gives us a gives us a bit of a lowdown on a couple of things. Drops some exposition our way. Asks Grimmer if he saw a young woman near the scene. Asks Grimmer if he had any information. Uh, if if uh, Bearman maybe said something. Grimmer says no. Uh, as a few of the kids are being sent off to an orphanage. Uh, Grimmer says hi to them, gives them a little pep talk, hands something to one of the leaders of the kids. Grimmer gets into a taxi with a couple of guys who speak Czech. They're not going where Grimmer wants to go, though. They go out to an abandoned factory, and they beat him up. Um, he runs away, and then he is saved by Detective Zeman. And then, whoops, no, no, Detective Zeman is actually working with them. 
um, and is looking for the tape so that they can find Johan's mother. That's what's up. Bam, bam, bam. I don't have a lot of notes on this chapter. Yeah, I mean, it is, um, you know, just like a kind of classic complication of things, you know, like, okay, now the police are involved, like, here's another faction, who's working with who, uh, you know, are these the folks that were sicked by, uh, the doctor onto, uh, Grimmer earlier, Mm. you know, like, are they you know, on Grimmer's side of trying to, you know, track down who did this, all these different kinds of things. But I think it is, like, another instance of Monster being like, all right, when the cops get involved, like, it is very rare that intentions are pure, you know? Like, we have seen a number of crooked cops at this point, uh, so it it isn't too much of a surprise when uh, the detective is actually like, yeah, I was I was asking those questions because I was trying to pump you for information or like, yeah, he very quickly drops the act of, you know, being like actually there to rescue him because it's very much one of those things is like, oh, I scared off the guys. I scared off the guys. Um, Are you sure? Like they must want information from you. What could they want? What could they possibly <laughs> want really from good. you? Yeah. And, uh, you know, Grimmer's a professional. She's like, he's like, I don't know. This is this is crazy. And he was like, okay, well, I'm dropping the act. Um, you know, tell us now or we're gonna torture you. Like, hey guys, come out from behind the wall. <laughs> <laughs> He's literally just like, you know They're just waiting around the corner. <laughs> pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Yeah. It's it's good. I, I made a note that and we kind of started talking about this a little bit earlier, but I made a note um that we really have started to get heavy into like political espionage. A dissidents, terrorist groups, it's like very heavily leaning on kind of the paranoia of, okay, when you have all of these regime changes, like, what does that look like for for the police, for the state, for the people who live there, stuff like that. And that kind of, I think, defines the next couple chapters is like that mood really still hangs over it. Mode. Yeah. We're super in thriller mode now. Um, yeah. Some it's, very good, like, good. action panels in this one, too. Like, yeah. uh... uh you know, you got the, like, sound effects as uh, Grimmer, like, runs across the, uh, like, the catwalks. Like the scaffolding, like yeah. That. Yeah, it's, uh, like, a lot of, t- you know, nervous tang-tanging of people approaching, um, some cool reveals and things like that. Uh, yeah. The imagery like of him it. clipping oh, his nails uh, is also good. Yeah, I, I was just about to mention that the, the nail clipping mm. becomes very relevant. Yeah. That, like, yeah, so... we open on this detective who is, like, very much, like, he does, like, the little, like, anime, like, oh, oopsie, touching my forehead, uh, like, bump yeah. my head on the table. Uh, like, he's saying he's, you know, as he's talking to uh, Grimmer, there's, like, the entire time he's like, hey, do you mind if I clip my nails? Um, and, uh... He is, you know, he's like, oh, my wife likes me to keep my nails clipped. So, you, you know, you know what's going on. Did you? Because, like, obviously a, oh, I yeah. did. I was, Immediately. Oh, yeah. <laughs> nice. Because right. um, growing up, when I was a kid, getting my nails clipped was, like, my least favorite thing. You know, it's like before I was old enough to clip my nails myself, 
having my parents clip my nails, I hated, right? Because it's, it's the thing that he says, right? Like, you got to cut it down to the quick, right? Like, and there's always that fear, like, you're going to cut too close. It's going to hurt. It's very sensitive. Like, so that is like an immediate, that's like, oh, this is not good. Things are, <laughs> it's not fun. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and, and like his last panel, like he, he whips out the finger, fingernail clippers again. He's like, Hey, like he's waving yeah. in his face. He's like, we're, we're gonna, we're gonna talk to you, mister. It's good. Uh, yeah. It's a fun chapter. Um, yeah. And the kids are, um, like they are getting parceled out to various orphanages. And that's so sad. There's too. like. They're they're being kept in like groups of three, but the uh the understanding is that like if there's a dozen of them, they're being sent to at least four different orphanages, and like these are kids that grew up together. These are their best friends, and so like the dour mood is a lot of them kind of coming to terms with the fact of like, well, I'm saying goodbye to like you know almost like adopted brothers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Quinn, do you have notes yeah. here? I know you said you don't you don't have a lot, but are there any big it's, things that jump out at you? Um, I mean, like I said, there's there's a lot of exposition about kind of the political situation. Um and like it's interesting, but uh, I did I think know. it was interesting because I had forgotten because they talk about, well, you know, Czechoslovakia split into the Czech Republic and yeah. Slovakia. Um, and that's another instance of the monster with no name splits and goes two directions, right? That we always kind of, I think it's good to be on the, on the lookout for. Definitely. Um, I know, uh, just enough check and Google translate helped me with the rest. Uh, there, there's a whole conversation between the guys peeking check in the taxi. They're saying completely normal things. Okay. Um, the guys just ask him, where you going? He says, Oh yeah, well the bank's on the way to the hotel. And then the other guy gets in and he actually asks, Take me to the take me to the factory, um, and then they talk about they talk about a uh, football. He's like, "Hey, did you catch the game?" And the driver's like, "Oh yeah, but I'm really disappointed." Um, That's wonderful. I, love I that. like yeah. that a lot, actually, better than if they were saying sinister things. Yeah, I think it. I think it is pretty funny. Um, I also think you know. Oh, there. Yeah, we're gonna go. We're gonna go have a little chase scene in an abandoned factory. 90s as fuck yeah everyone loves an abandoned factory you know it's so and it's drawn very cool there's smokestacks all that good stuff yeah Um, i really i like how it's i like how it's rendered and it's also you know it's a it's very much i mean this whole manga is very much like ah this is in the west you know but this is another one of those great settings that you don't see a whole awful lot in in a lot of manga hmm. you know it's just another it's just one of those fun things where it's like, ah, here's a here's a, a guy from a guy from Japan kind of taking on these Western tropes and locations and how does he see them? How does he use them? It's always something that really, really interests me. Yeah. Um, Tyler, I gotta ask, since you're also a first time reader, did you for a split second think that the driver of the taxi cab was Roberto? Um I think I... God Yes, that... no, I did. Okay. Because yeah. they oh, look man. kind of similar. And I was yeah, like, totally. Roberto? Yeah, our good friend? like looking into the rear view mirror. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like when he turns around, yeah, it, there's definitely that like, I think right away, you know, even if it's not him, that like sets us mm-hmm. up that this is like a suspicious situation. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah, just in the framing of it. I mean, I don't know how it could be Roberto. I mean, he's probably dead. He's um, probably dead, but we, I need to remind yeah. everyone we have not seen the body, which is yeah. important in these stories. 
Yeah. Look, he's probably dead, though. He's probably um, dead. Hey, uh, um, a villain can still be R- Roberto Coded. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, chapter 83, then. 83. All right. So we start with uh, the detective. Oh, what, he's, what's the, what's the, what's the name? What's this the is an important name. Oh, The Adventures of the Magnificent Steiner. Adventures of the Magnificent Steiner. Uh, so... Zeman's on the phone. Uh, he's talking to Detective Sook, and he's like, oh, good job, like, on the supermarket burglar. Uh, I'll be back in the station in, like, an hour. Uh, and he heads down a stairwell, and we see him enter into a room where someone is getting, like, beat to hell. Uh, and he says, like, all right, that's enough. Are you ready to talk? Where's the key? Uh, and we have this great, like, full-page uh image of Grimmer and he is tied to a chair slumped over clearly just like beaten to hell uh but he has that grin on his face you know he is like taking it in stride um and so Zeman's offering him money asking to negotiate but Glimmer's like nah I'm good you know just very much like your classic spy won't, you know, be intimidated, like, won't break character, etc. Uh, finally, Seaman breaks out the nail clippers, uh, and he mm-hmm. proceeds to cut off not just the nail, uh, but, like, the entire tip of the finger on each of Grimmer's hands, one by one as he interrogates him. And, like, this is what gets Grimmer to break. Like, this is one of those... He's not smiling moments. You can tell that this is, like, actually getting through to him. Uh, But he does not give them anything. Uh, And Zeman starts to monologue. And we've we've talked about it some already, but I thought it was worth just, like, it's a lot of exposition, so I'm just going to read it verbatim. Uh, He says, The tape and the documents, they're of no use to you. That tape is only meaningful to the organization for their goal of reviving the Eastern world. The tape documents what the monster really is. These men need the monster. Only the monster can unify the products of 511 Kinderheim. Those children were molded at 511 Kinderheim to be the prodigies of East Germany's communist regime, the creme de la creme. They say the monster took control of 511 Kinderheim and destroyed everything. Who else could bring together and lead such an elite group? Now, where's the key? So Grimmer smiles again, uh, and he starts to laugh, uh, which really sets Zeman off. Um, he, you know, starts interrogating him, like, who are you? Who sent you? If you don't want money, what do you want? Do you think you're 007 something? He, like, literally evokes 007. He's like, do you think yeah. you're James Bond? Uh, and they beat him some more, and Grimmer's finally like, speaking of 007, have you heard of the Magnificent Steiner? And he goes on to explain that it was a West German cartoon in the 60s, where the hero was wimpy, but any time he was backed into a corner, a secret friend came to save him. Little did he know, he transformed into the Magnificent Steiner uh, in life-or-death situations. And so the thugs are like, uh, okay, so is that, like, what you're going to do? Um, before, like, beating him within an inch of his life. They're they're basically saying, like, why would you tell us about this cartoon? Like, are you about to make a comeback? <laughs> and then they just, like, knock him out uh so he's out cold and they untie and drag him to a faucet to drown him it is like um one like a small pool uh like a little washing station in this factory uh 
But then a mysterious Nina-shaped figure <laughs> appears in the doorway and shoots one of the thugs in the head. Uh, so next thing we know, there's been a time skip. Grimmer wakes up. Uh, the woman is gone. And he's slept against the basement wall. And Zeman and both thugs are dead. The mystery woman is nowhere to be seen. And only one of the thugs were shot. The other two were beaten to death. So Grimmer staggers back to his hotel and he lies down and eventually like he's looking up at the ceiling and he looks at his hands and they're caked with blood. Uh, we don't know if it's his blood, if it's someone else's. And he shifts to the edge of his bed and there's this great shot of him like hunched over staring down at his hands and he starts to smile again. And while he's staring at his hands, the chapter ends with him saying, Magnificent Steiner, you've done it again. Uh, the implication being that like, who knows if there is a real Magnificent Steiner, if he made up this cartoon or what, but he is saying, like, all right, you know, um, I guess I passed out and murdered some people, and it's not the first time. <laughs> it's so good. I popped so hard for this. It's I, great. I, 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 was like, I started to, like, Google to see if it was a real cartoon. Same. It seems like it is just something that was invented for this. Yeah. I didn't actually read any further because I didn't want spoiled on anything. Yep. But I, yeah, I love this. I like, popped so I, hard. I was like, I we got the Hulk in this comic now? <laughs> I really like, it is very much, it's 90s as hell. It's tropey as hell. But I like that not only are they leaning into it, but they are acknowledging it. Mm -hmm. Like, they ask him like, do you, do you think you're 007? And then after he tells him, like, well, here's this story. Have you heard of this super spy? They're just like, okay. Like, yeah. why are you yeah. telling us this? Um, Do you right, think I you're a believable we'll keep, fictional character? Actually, we'll I am a much more you. unbelievable one. Watch yeah. me go. Yeah. So, okay. So <laughs> what, do you, do you think you're story. in, like, a manga or something? Weird. <laughs> I have a story about this episode. So, once upon a time... I was on vacation at a hotel. Oh, you passed out and you murdered everyone. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> I have no family. Uh, I, was at, I was on vacation at a hotel, and I just turned on, go to Cartoon Network or something, but I think it must have been, you know, like Toonami. And I, you know, and what should be on but this episode of yes. Monsters. And I was 10 years old. And I the watched this age. whole this whole episode, 11 p.m., me in the hotel room, The Magnificent Steiner, and my God, did it stick with me. Um, I don't think it, it's that perfect, you know, that perfect, like, point at childhood where you're not quite traumatized, but you're scared as fuck. Yeah. And it just, it just sticks in there. Um... That's that's definitely what this was like for me. You know, the, the fingernail torture. I mean, you know, watching the fingernail torture as a kid. Oh, which reminds me, uh, for, for listeners who aren't readers, he doesn't cut off the entire, like, top of the finger. He just cuts the fingernail down to, like, halfway down the finger. He's yeah. um, so there is, which, like, there's bleeding yeah. bits. Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, your your finger is bleeding the, the cuticle or whatever. Yeah, it's horrible. Horrible to think about. Well, as, um, like, I yeah. am someone, like, I've had to deal with this in my own life. Um, I, I recently, this year, finally, like, you've, after... You've also been tortured, tortured. by, by ex-Czechoslovakian. Yeah, well, yeah. by myself, really. Like, I, <laughs> yeah. I just this year finally managed to get uh, an OCD diagnosis. Oh, and wow. part of that is that, like, I... There have been times where I have literally, like, 
washed my hands so much or like fixated on my nails so much that like my hands are bloody at mm. the end um and it is like this torture was something that like was very resonant to me and also they mm. do a very good job of illustrating like just how much pain he's in this is and the most pain we've seen why... anyone in this comic in up to Definitely. this point yeah you can there is it doesn't it isn't super graphic in the actual clipping itself like we it looks like just kind of normal nail clipping from you know each of the the panels of like the clip but his immediate reaction is like oh yeah there's more like there's there's some skin being trimmed here you know like this is but it's also that is part of why when i got to the end of the chapter i was like okay did he beat this these guys to death or are his hands caked in blood because he just had the tips of all of his fingers <laughs> cut off yeah oh it's really it's good cool. it's so cool man and also uh best girl nina again yeah i tyler i also wrote down her face but I... it is like so so implied yeah i wrote down the exact same nina. thing is this Nina Fortner? It sure is shaped like her. Um, so I, I thought that was, I, I, that's, it's, oh man. It's like how Kirby is shaped like a friend. You know, <laughs> this, this murder is shaped like Nina. <sighs> yeah. Really yeah, we get a very good, like, evocation of 007, though. Like, the... It's a fun pull. The silhouette of this woman is the classic like gun pointed directly at the camera 007. I didn't even uh, catch that. That's fantastic. Yeah, and uh the I, the only other thing worth noting I think is that um Grimmer knows there is a woman. Like he caught a glimpse of her. Hmm. Like it would be and I think that is part of why he does not know exactly what happened you know i think that if he woke up and every and like he didn't see anyone and everyone was dead then he would just be like oh i clearly killed all three of them but because he saw this woman and he never carries a gun he's like okay like i'm at least partially innocent yeah I might well, be well partially one of them guilty, one of them is but dead like it muddies from things. the bullet wound yeah so she killed one of them and then someone killed the other two probably him yeah, and that you've done it again panel is like yeah. just you know one of, one of my favorite ends of a chapter so far. Totally, I definitely. think in this reading it's definitely this, my favorite. This chapter, like standalone, is one of like it's just so cool. It's very well paced. It's super intriguing. The exposition is there. You learn more, but it's not overwhelming. Um, and the the mystery of the magnificent Steiner is so compelling. And also, yeah, uh, like we do yeah. know more about Kinderheim now. So like, okay, we know they were making these like Ubermensch, which is mm -hmm. very much like the, you know, the great man theory of like mm -hmm. that resulted in, you know, like people like Hitler, you know, it's like, oh, we need like dictators. We need like, you know, these exceptional humans to lead us. Um, and we don't know too much about the experiment other than, like, okay, uh, Johan was a foreign element. So, you know, maybe these kids were, like, really hard to control. 
you know, maybe they were not having, like, any success in unifying them or, like, getting them to be, you know, complacent in the way that they needed them to be. To be like, okay, well, it's one thing to, like, raise a talented child, but if they, like, hyperfixate on basketball, they're not going to make a good, <laughs> like, head of the Gestapo. Sure. Um, so, like, we need to make sure that these kids, like, also follow directions. Um, and whatever this organization is that, you know, we don't know who they are. Uh, like if they are even the same people who organized Kinderheim or if it's like it completely like some it. kind of separate thing, they're like, oh, it's really impressive that this monster came along and was able to get these exceptional children to do what he wanted them to. And so like maybe they plan on repeating Kinderheim at some point. Maybe they plan on just like, you know, finding the best and brightest around the world. But uh they're like one thing we know for sure is that we need like a we need a figure. Johan. Yeah. 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 Who is but going we... to like you know get them to, you know, fall in under them. What we know what we know about their goals, right? They say they want to revive the Eastern world. Yeah. Right, and so I think what they want, because he, the guy also says, I'm a capitalist. I love money. You know, and reviving it's the Eastern thing. world. <laughs> exactly. You know, reviving the Eastern world, again, this is in the 90s. Remember, like, what state the Eastern, uh, Eastern Europe was in around that time, right? So it seems clear to me, these things in, uh, combined with each other, the revival they're discussing is an economic revival and most likely being an offshoot of the Nazi party, probably an economic and, you know, uh, quote-unquote cultural revival of quote-unquote traditional values. Um, you know, it, it strikes me It strikes me as, if not Nazi proper, Nazi adjacent, um, and people whose goal is the introduction of uh the aggressive introduction of, of of capitalism to the east in order to i guess make it powerful and then they have power within that is is my guess but what's interesting is that this is yet another political faction yeah, that yeah. wants to use johan for their own ends that that makes what three you know at it least, makes like yeah. like at least three different groups of people who all seem to think that johan will do anything they want, and it's just like, have you not watched every other group of people be murdered in cold blood by Johan for this exact thing, this exact thing? Yeah. Um, I think that's yeah. an interesting call-out, because, yeah, I mean, he, they say we need Johan to unify Kinderheim 511. I mean, if, and if we remember, yeah. what happened was Johan turned everyone against each other, the administrators and the children, and they burned down the orphanage while he watched, right? So, yeah, like, Johan is not a unifying influence. Yeah. Um, but I'm I'm in a, I'm excited to see this thread again because this was like the whole I thought it was really interesting when it was the baby and General Wolf and that third guy we're talking about this way back when because they all got murdered it, they didn't really we didn't get to explore that I think yeah. the way I thought we were going to so I'm interested to see that see this come back up again it's it's an interesting thread to pull yeah okay I think that's I think that's it for 83 unless anybody else has something I don't let's, let's get to know this sucky detective yeah. detective yep. suck uh, this, uh, is, this is me isn't it Dway? i've got i've got 84 i have it okay. written down yeah oh right i yeah. did key that's right that's right so okay and quinn is do we know is it suk or suck since you're it's probably i i believe it to be i believe it to be suk suk like like suk yeah okay, suk makes more sense but um it's I like it's not sucks. that long it's not like suk it's it's like suk 
suck. You know, it's soup. it's it's short. It's okay. shorter. Um, yeah. But it's, yeah, it's not suck. I don't think. And, uh, and if it's, it it's is, yawn, right? It's not. It's not. It's yawn. yawn. Yeah. It's okay. yawn. Yeah. Um, Which is their form of John. Oh, oh, we got another. We got another John in here. John, watch. Okay. So at the crime scene, chapter eighty-four, Detective Sook. Um, at the crime scene, Detective Yan Sook shows up and orders the personnel on site to arrest any and all suspicious-looking individuals. He gets a little pushback, which he interprets as um, people questioning his authority because he's young and inexperienced. He goes into the crime scene and sees the bodies of Detective Zayman and the other men and pukes. Later on, we cut to Sook in the bar with a few of his buddies, sadly talking about the situation, uh, how sad he is that his mentor's gone, and how no one respects him. His friends give him a hard time and tell him that he's watched too many detective movies and should have just gotten a normal job like them. Sook drinks way too much and has a little bit of an outburst where he says that they don't respect him even though he's doing the work that allows them to have their normal jobs. And then he sees a girl at the bar that he recognizes from the grocery store. He tries to hit on her and we realize that it's Nina Fortner. Things are going very poorly, so his buddies help him. Sook and Nina talk about how sad he is about Zeman dying, and Sook pledges to find whoever it was that killed him and bring him to justice. Sook asks her name, and Nina sadly says she doesn't know what it is, prompting him to guess, before leaving the bar muttering about the Sadoc Bridge and the Three Frogs. Sook stumbles through a day of work, learning that witnesses reported a tall, thin man with a duffel bag leaving the scene of the crime. He meets up with Nina again at the bar, and as they talk, he realizes that the suspect is probably Air Grimmer who'd been questioned earlier in relation to Petrov's murder, which Zeman had been investigating before he died. Nina leaves while he's having this revelation, and Sook rushes off to find her, going to the Sadok Bridge and finding a bar called the Three Frogs. He stares at the sign in shock as Dr. Tenma walks by. Good stuff. Good stuff. A cab includes Detective Sook. What yeah, a fucking clown boy. This is unfortunate because I love Detective Sook. <laughs> Of course you do. Of course you do. He's Matt. Yeah. This is Matt all over. This yeah, is Matt. You'd probably a puke if you saw Grizzly Triple Murder. Oh, absolutely. You baby. <laughs> Who amongst us hasn't watched a detective movie and been like, I would make a very good detective? Or is that just me? No, no. I absolutely would make a good detective. See? Okay. It is. This is just classic my, guy things. In my theater, in my theater college days, um, we did a, this is a very college theater kid thing to do. We, we went out uh, to somebody's, to somebody's family's cabin, right? In the Smoky Mountains. And we had ourselves a little murder mystery night. You know, everybody had little roles to play. Um, and, uh, and I was the detective and I was this fucking close. I was this fucking close to solving it. I questioned everybody. I questioned everybody except the one person I needed to question. Oh, it's so infuriating. Um, Anyway, Tyler, have you done I, murder mystery dinner ever before? Oh yes, I've is it perform- fun? I've performed in murder mysteries. It is fun. okay. Yeah, it I really it. it is fun. It's theater as fuck, but my god, it's a good time. Like if you get people who are like comfy, comfy with being in character, it's just a LARP, you know? Yeah. We, like, um, my partner, their mom's recent birthday, we played a role playing game called. Uh, a Taste for Murder is by Graham Walmsey, who I, I think did like Cthulhu Dark uh, and some other oh. stuff. But uh, it is a very good, like, you know, murder mystery style game where any of the characters could get murdered, like at the half act. 
And then whoever does get murdered, they play the detective for the second half of the game. We had a blast playing it. Uh, And it very much felt like, you know, one of those murder mystery dinner parties. uh, Just with, like, less pressure to, like, you know, steer everyone towards a specific culprit because it could be anyone. It's just like, you know, third wall breaking, you know, by the end of it, we all vote on who we think the killer is. Everyone has motivation. Cool. Love it. Yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> Super fun. Yeah. Um, I really liked the moment of him uh, coming up to the woman at the bar and saying like, hey, do you recognize me? And she's like, fuck no. <laughs> she just shakes his yeah. head. He's like, oh, uh, you you don't? Like, <laughs> It's so I feel painful like... to watch. And like his buddies are just like, oh, we, this is... This is not good. We have yeah, to stop this. They intervene and are like, could you talk to this guy? Like, he's seen a lot of murders recently. His boss got murdered today. He's very sad. Here's here's a, here's a actually, here's a point. That's one way to play Wingman. Next <laughs> yeah. time someone's striking out of the bar, just go up and be like, hey, so, his boss just got murdered. <laughs> here's just something like, interesting about this. Let him cry next to you for a while. This is, this is Nina. She's speaking Czech. Yes, I noted this too. I I have a theory, and I do not <gasps> I do not know if it is an accurate theory. I do not think this is Nina. I think this is Johan. They're they're twins. They I mean, have I, the ex- well, exact same face mm. and eyes. Um I don't know if it would be like a wig or like growing out hair or something like that, but I, I don't know. Like, I feel like this woman is not warm in the way that we have found Nina to be. Yeah. Like, know? however, uh, like she's and not it could being be characterized that like, yeah, she's very much just kind of like. Maybe it's because she's still just kind of, like, numbly moving through the world after, like, you know, the three frogs revelation that she had in the last section of chapters. Um, But especially with some other stuff that comes up later, um, I don't know. Like, I, I have been waiting for, like, the twinness to come up, and I yes. feel like this might be a moment. Uh, and yeah, that's, I kind of hope that's not the case because then that would kind of feed into like some like trans panic attitudes Mm -hmm. of like, oh, you know, the person posing as a woman who's like secretly a serial killer. But, uh, I don't know. There's like, there's something fishy about this entire exchange to me. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say, what if they're triplets? Oh, because yeah, there's three cool. frogs. That that, that would be super cool. <sighs> Anything's oh. possible. I don't know. Huh. So um, well, let's not linger on it too much. Okay. Oh, it's good. I but I did make note of the check because I remembered. I had the flashback. It was like I heard it in my head. A lot of saying, <laughs> "You speak check." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Um. Yeah, I, um, I really don't, I don't have a lot of notes for this one either. It's just, just bumbling through life. And we have 
like in Suk being caught up with the case, like that he is not qualified to be a part of, but he feels like he has a duty to be. It is confirmed that like, okay, the guys in the car were, you know, members of the former Czech secret police. You know, there is like, there's clearly a bunch of stuff going around and they also found blood from a fourth individual. Mm -hmm. Um, So like there, you know, there's a reason why he's like, you know, starting to fixate on Grimmer as like, okay, like this is how I prove that like, you know, I am a worthwhile uh, detective here that, like, this is how Mm -hmm. I honor my mentor's memory uh, is by, like, putting all this on my shoulders. Yeah. Very Matt. Yeah, I'm going to go to bat for him again. I mean, I think that him being like, yeah, I recognize you from the grocery store is fantastic. And then also... I was getting getting bread and cheese to eat in my car, and I I keep seeing you. (laughs) I also love any chapter where, like, the only bit of Tenma we have is, like, he's also here (laughs) looking at things. It's always good. Like, there was the cemetery one that time where we saw him in here. It's great. I love it. Um, I like it when she calls him Mr. Detective. That would work on me. It has worked on me. I have been called Mr. Engineer. Um... I was really hoping you've been called Mr. Detective. Mr. Me Detective too. would be better. Detective but... Matt. If somebody <laughs> called me Mr. Detective. It would work! That would work. Man, that would work. That's all I'm saying. Um, so, it's, I, I, it's, like I said, ACAB includes Detective, or like you said, ACAB includes Detective Sook, but also. No, we can say you said it. You can have it if you want. I love Detective Sook. I want to We're be We're all him. saying this. <laughs> We're all, everyone's saying this. Yeah. Um, I have nothing more for for eighty four. Yep. Nor I. Shall we move on to eighty five? Go for it. I think. Uh, yeah. So. Eighty five, a top secret investigation. Jan. Uh, tries to find Grimmer. He's already checked out of the hotel. However, Police Chief Patera, uh, shows up. Um, I think it's. Patera, if I had to guess. Um, and uh, Patra tells him about Zeman's top secret investigation, roll credits, where uh, he was, quote, tasked with identifying former Czech secret police who infiltrated the Prague Police Department using false identities. Mouthful. Um, and he warns Jan to keep quiet about it. And also asks Jan about his girlfriend. Jan's like, no, I don't have a girlfriend. She's just a cute girl at the bar. Uh, and so uh, uh, Patara goes to the bar, says hi to Nina, and she blows him off. And then the next day, Patara informs him he was blown off. And... Which is Often. wild because yeah. he's a notorious ladies' man. A notorious. There is a scene man. of Suk being yeah. like, "No, don't talk to her. No, not you're her. irresistible. Yeah. God damn it!" Yeah. <laughs> Chief Patra, he fucks. Um, uh, Jan clears out uh, Detective Zeman's desk, finds a key to his gym locker, looks through the gym locker, finds. A binder full of women. A binder <laughs> full of uh, detailed files on every member of the force, except Chief Patra and Detective Yanasek. Um, well, Yanasek. Uh, and then he finds a whole bunch of money 
Coming to the conclusion that Zeman was paid off to keep his findings secret, takes it straight to the chief of police, and then the chief of police takes it straight to Patra and Janasek, because guess what, they're all in it. However, this gets wrapped up rather quickly, because Patra was given whiskey bonbons from a cute girl as a gift. They eat the bonbons, and as uh, Jan talks to Nina at the bar, these three cops are fucking dead. And they die in the same manner of our first death of the hospital director. Yeah, mm-hmm. with the candy. Same candy, I believe. Not the same candy. I think those were hard candies. Those were in the... Oh, yeah. I oh, yeah. Know. Weren't those... The, wait, weren't those the Werther's Originals? Yeah, that was in the show, though. <laughs> I think that was an editorial oh, decision the show that was, was made. The yeah. in the, it, at the very least, they were still, like, a circular candy. Yes. That, yep. like, had this, like poison in that this is that move this is johan's poison candy move this is when i started to suspect this might be johan yeah yeah or like because like either either i feel like all right this is a johan move Mm -hmm. you know uh either there was a different beautiful woman who handed these candies off to you know the ladies man because uh, do we see him like actually she leaves approach? but then that's the end of the scene right yeah. as they sit together she leaves she might have come back with candy who knows but yeah or I was like it could on... be a different woman yes you know like it's not like Suk was at the bar well he says he, he puts his hand on her shoulder he's like just for a bit and she has kind of a conflicted look on her face so we don't know we don't happens. know if she stuck around oh, we don't yeah. know if she okay. like we do not see a handoff of candy so it could have been yes. that like nina left Another woman came back and she was like coached to be like, are, oh, hey, are you a friend of Detective Sooks? I see him here every night. Um, yeah, it could blah, be blah, a blah, fake blah, out. Do you want some candy? It could uh, totally be a fake out. So, or there is, you know, my uh, secret Johan theory. Uh, an even darker implication, though, would be this is this is Nina. And either she just killed people in the same manner as the brother that she supposedly hates and wants, you know, to eliminate, or she was somehow involved in the original candy poisoning. Yeah. None the of them is particularly None good. None of them are good. <laughs> yeah. All of them bad. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh and the, i i like how you know it jumps back and forth with when suk and nina are having their conversation we cut back to these dudes dying um and there there's one i i don't think that this is like on purpose but when it cuts to them when it cuts to suk and nina at the bar the question she asks him is why are you so blue which i think is funny in the context of uh, if we, I don't know how this poison works, but my assumption is these dudes are asphyxiating. They're like choking to death, right? So that they would go blue in the face, um, <laughs> which is it's a fun like page turn. Why are you so blue? As these dudes like yeah. choke on this horrible poison candy. Yeah, um, he says they were a gift from a gorgeous young lady, so he doesn't even specifically say that it was from Jan's girlfriend, you know, yeah, or anyone that he met at a bar. But there is a nice little like, you know, what could have been moment where like. Mm-hmm. This entire time, he's, like, walking around the office. He's offering candy to everyone. He offers the candy to Sook. He offers the candy to, like, co-workers. Any one of them could have, like, eaten a piece early and it would have been ruined because they would have, like, di- died before this, like, secret, you know, meeting of the minds. 
so, I mean, it's like we've said before. It like, might have been like a different gambits. candy. You know, there is some like time that passes. Uh, like maybe he's just a candy holic. Uh, no, it's the same candy in the same day. Like it to me. This just strikes me as the same Batman Gambit as the candy in the previous time. Anybody could have eaten these candies. It it just happens to go the right way. Well, what this establishes, Quinn, is that in the moral universe of Monster, the same way that we can tap into this black and white morality, (laughs) this establishes that only bad people eat candy given to them by strangers. Yeah, this entire thing is funded by Big Dental. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's also, Suki's such a, such a good boy. You know, he finds this stuff, turns it all in. I held rookie Detective Zimmon in the highest regards. Or it really is a rookie move. You find out somebody's been paid off and you go to the chief. Are you fucking kidding me? You know. Internal like, affairs is how you get murdered. I have seen cop movies. Exactly. Yeah. It's kind of a dumbass. Uh, anything else on this one? Or do we want to move on to the final chapter? I think we can. I don't have anything else. Yeah. Chapter. Yeah. Chapter 86 is something important. Uh, That is the title of the chapter. Uh, It is also something important. Uh, So members of the press are swarming the police station, and already a newscaster is talking about rumors of the old Czech secret police being involved in, like, the death of these three officers. Like, word is out. Um, Suk uh, just happens to be, like, the first one to leave the office while they're getting swarmed, and everyone starts asking him questions. So... Like, he kind of stumbles through a response and, like, people are asking him about, you know, like, hey, does this anything have anything to do with, like, the old dude and, like, caretaker who were also murdered recently? Um, Or, you know, the stuff that happened in this weird factory basement. And, uh, like, Suk does not have a poker face. He's just kind of like, oh, we're investigating that. And they're like, oh, so like they are related. He's like, oh, I mean, we're we're looking into it. And eventually a boss of his comes out and is like, you are bad at this. Please stop. Fuck off. Uh, I will talk to the press. Um, but Suk can't shake feelings that he has some kind of like responsibility here. Uh, so he tracks down the split up, uh, orphans, you know, that have all gone to different places. And he, you know, we have a number of shots of like him interrogating different children. Uh, and the caretaker says to him like, Hey, don't push him too hard. Um, but largely the kids are cooperative and he's just kind of asking them general questions about like, Hey, do you remember anything about this woman that you saw? Do you like, um, you know, or maybe that comes up later, but, uh, asking them a number of questions like what were uh grimmer and you know your grandpa talking about and one of them even mentions kinderheim 511 which i think is the first time suk has heard of this uh and like the caretaker is like yeah that that is not an orphanage that exists i don't don't know what they're talking about um so suk starts to like you know, focus more on Grimmer. And he pushes harder asking, like, what was your impression of them? And all the kids, like, light up when they're talking about Grimmer. They're like, yeah, he's, you know... uh, One of them says, like, yeah, he's super nice, even if he sucks at soccer. (laughs) It's like, he is terrible at soccer, he fell on his butt, um, but he's a nice guy. Uh, And eventually Grimmer talks to the eldest, Antonin, who is the one that we saw Grimmer, like, palm something to. Uh, And this kid says, like, he knows that Grimmer is innocent. Specifically because it's some woman who did it. Some woman who who left. Um, And he says, like, hey, I'm, like, I'm going to meet up with Grimmer later. And Sue asks, can I come? And the kid's like, 
I don't know how much of it is like just kid logic. Where it's like, yeah, sure, you can come. Like he didn't do it. It's like, what's the problem? Why, like, wh why should it be a problem that you want to like come and find this person? Uh, so the kids meet Grimmer in the park, and um, right away, one of the kids narks on their friend for pissing the bed. Uh, and Grimmer's like, oh yeah, I piss the bed forever. And everybody has a great laugh about how funny it is to piss the bed. And they invite him to play soccer. And again, he just like gets his ass beat. Um, and like, he's like, you guys are too good for me. I'm going to go take a break. Uh, and Suk approaches him while he's like sitting on the hill watching them play soccer. Uh, and you can tell that Suk like has his hand under his jacket, um, like for, uh, you know, concealing a gun. And Grimmer says like, hey. Without even looking at him, it's like, there's no need to take out your gun, you know, more like spy shit of like, he's mm -hmm. far more aware of it, the situation and environment than he lets on. Uh, and he tells him like, hey, I'm unarmed. I never carry a gun. Uh, Suk asks him just straight up, did you kill the detective? And Grimmer says like, I don't know. He's like, maybe. I honestly, I'm not sure. Uh, and then he fills him in on the whole situation. Um and he's like, oh, you know, there's like, uh, I passed out, so I might have been delirious. I might have beat some people, but like, I don't have a gun. There was a woman who shot some people. Uh, and it is implied that what makes Suk, you know, be inclined to believe him is that he notices the like. The signs of torture on his fingernails, like he sees his fingernails and he has this like realization of like, oh, yeah, my boss was a freak about fingernails. <laughs> Everything's lining up. My mentor was just like super into fingernails and was clipping his fingers all the time because of his nag of a wife who evidently loves getting finger blasted. Um, <laughs> I wasn't going to say it. I wasn't going to say it, but I did have that realization earlier. I was like, oh, <laughs> so Grimmer asserts that he like he didn't shoot anyone. Um, may have beat the other two to death. Um, and he asks Suk like straight up, like, do you think I'm a criminal? And Suk tells him like, I don't know who to trust anymore. Like, you know, even if, because like, even if he is a criminal, like maybe, I don't know, maybe he was doing the right thing. And Grimmer asserts that in the end, the only person you can trust is yourself. Like he's, he's doubling down on the, like the gut intuition. Um, so Grimmer stands to leave and he's like, Hey, are you going to arrest me? And Sue's like, I don't know. Uh, he's like, well, here's my hotel address. I won't run away. Like, if you come and want to arrest me later, like, that's where I'll be. And as he shakes Suk's hand, he palms him the key now that he got from the boy. Um, and he tells Suk, uh, the thing that's at the heart of all of this is in the safety deposit of the bank. This is Beerman's key. This is what led to all these killings. Like, if you're that dead set on getting to the center of it, like, you can look into it. Um, and that is where we end on him just kind of like walking away and Suk now, you know, like looking at these dangling keys and deciding like, all right, what am I going to do with this? How deep do I want to go? A lot of good, uh, a lot of good Grimmer smiles here, mm -hmm. you know, totally legitimately sucks at soccer, always fallen on his ass. Um, and also like, uh, this is something that I, I wanted to, like, mention a little bit earlier, but I, I think it's easier to talk about here, is that um, there was, like, I was a bit bummed that uh, Detective Zeman is, like, 
one in a long lineage of uh like evil coded fat people uh mm. and I know that that is not always the case in this manga. Like, we've had, you know, a number uh, of uh, larger people who are, you know, like, you know, the, like, the forensic professor guy, uh, for example. But or the uh, woman who runs the orphanage in this chapter. Yeah, the woman who runs yeah. the orphanage here. I think we are set up some to be like, oh, this is another, like, grumpy standoffish fat person. Um, but she seems to, like, genuinely be nice and, like, care about these kids, you know, and is like, hey, they were traumatized. <laughs> like, it's okay. Like, I know you're a detective. We're going to cooperate with you. But, like, do not remind these kids, like, unduly of the death of the most important person in their life. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, it is, like, one of those things where, like, I, I think it's something that, you know, has been a through line of this entire podcast of, like, all right, how much does Urasawa lean into stereotypes? How much mm. is, does he frustrate them? And part of that is, you know, he's the man of a thousand faces. And uh, some of that is going to be like, okay, you know, he's trying to create as many interesting, like, you know, profiles, like literal, like, profile of your face, different face shapes as he can. And sometimes, you know, you're going to stumble on things that people can read into. Um, but I like that for, you know, for every example of like, you know, this is a bad person who looks like this way. He pretty quickly gives us an example of like, here's a good person who looks this way. You know, they're just anyone can be anything. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it definitely, you know, like it's uh, in particular, like I, I also the, the, the orphanage lady, um, like her, her fatness and goodness, like immediately jumped out at me because I was just thinking around like how many how many fat people do you see in manga? Like, under any circumstance. Yeah. Like, how many fat people do you see in manga where fat isn't, like, an important character trait? You know? Like, where they're not a character that is explicitly supposed to be fat to communicate something about them. Yeah. It's not, like, you a know. punchline. Yeah, exactly, you know? But then, like, you, you read Monster, and it really just, it really feels like... Except in kind of unusual cases a person's body type doesn't really, it doesn't tell you a whole awful lot about what they're doing. Someone's face. Now their face will yeah, tell you lots. Yeah. Um, but, but, uh, Urasawa puts a lot of effort into having different, different kinds of people, different looking people, uh, just all over. And it's one of my favorite things uh, about it. Yeah. Yeah, um, I don't really have a lot of or any notes about this chapter. Other, I would than, say this like, is the chapter where the least happened. It is yeah. literally Definitely. just like this it's is... basically Sook getting folded into the plot of the manga. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like the up until now, does it for this chapter. He yeah. has been a uh, like a bit of a tertiary character, and this is the chapter where it's like, okay, we're gonna push him into like uh, no longer summarizing the plot. He is going to play a role in propelling the plot forward. Mm -hmm. What know? a good way of putting it. What a really good way of putting it, Tyler. Nice. Yeah, because it seems like almost like his introduction was, it reminded me of like one of those recap anime episodes. I was like, hey, we're, you know, without having flashbacks, you know, we are going to like catch you up to speed on all of yeah. the different factions, all the different kinds of things happening here. He is indeed a Matt surrogate as the reader. Uh, yep. Just like, hey, dummy, uh, have you missed anything? Mysteries. Uh, you may you may think you know where this is going, but let's complicate that a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. 
And honestly, I think Grimmer kind of works that way too, right? It's like we're getting two different threads here, right? It's like the Grimmer thread was the Kinderheim stuff coming back, right? And it's I, I, I like what you just pointed out, right? It works as a recap without explicitly being a recap. So I think I like these two characters together. I like their dynamic in this chapter a lot. I hope we get to see more of them. I do not think we will get to see too much more of the two of them together. I hope we get to see more of Tenma. I would yes. love, I would love oh, for absolutely. Tenma to come back. Because this was very... Yeah, little... I mean, there were, this was, like, as a perfect addition, I think that, like, the mid-season, or, like, the... Not even mid-season, but, like, the season break, you know, between, totally. like... It's almost like a show had a really good first season, and there's a really explosive ending, and then... The second season starts and like a lot of people are excited because it's built up word of mouth and they're mm. like, oh, my gosh, they got like John Hamm to play a character in this this and he's like, oh, he's this new detective and like, like, oh, we spent a lot of money getting this actor. So we should probably focus on him for a while, you know, and like Where is work Tenma? his yeah. character mm-hmm. in um, before it gets to like it now seems like this chunk of chapters was a very nice like. Let's bring in Grimmer, and then, like, let's also pull him out some. Uh, And now it's like we have Sook of, like, a nice little cliffhanger of, like, Mm -hmm. all right, what's in the box? What's in the box? Uh, It's prog time. You know, we had our Munich time, and now it's it's prog time. Yeah. Very progressive. Prog hours. Have we talked about how it's the frogs in prog? I don't think we've talked about that. Um... I raised the listeners we need to know. I raised my eyebrows that. on each of those. I went frog and frog, and eyebrows go up on each of those. Yeah, that's very good. Um, any, any, uh, so I'm, I'm leaving you out. Um, Quinn is someone who, who knows this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Any, predictions. any predictions? Uh, I mean, I've already shared my, uh, Nina is Johan prediction. Yeah. Um, I think that in the safety deposit box, it is going to be something like weird and oblique. I do not think it will be uh, like a clear explanation of what's happening. I do not think the the tape, I guess, like is a videotape or something or maybe reel to reel or something. I think that whatever they find is just going to complicate things further. Yeah. I, I hope we get another like... weird, freaky fairy tale book in the safety deposit box, but I don't, I don't think yeah. we will. Someone dubbed new voices over the Little Mermaid. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think, like I said about um, Grimmer's son, I think that's probably that's my guess about his backstory. Um, and now I'm excited about my triplet theory is the thing, but I, I don't think that's it. My real prediction, like what I had going into this, was I think that the Nina-shaped woman is probably Ava because we haven't seen her in a while. Um, mm. Oh, but, yeah, she might be the beautiful woman. Yeah, but I don't yeah. know how or why oh. she would have made her way to Prague is the thing. Because last we saw her, she was hanging out with the criminal banker, uh, recovering, eating uh, food. I can't remember what they had. Something that, something that uh, the little guy, the, the thief, what's his name? The baby? Otto? No, no, no. Otto. Otto Heckle was cooking. Yeah. yeah. Chicken a la orange. I think another thing that where's do we know where Marengo's chicken Dieter is Dieter left with Nina at the end exactly yeah so we haven't seen him either so like whoever has been like going around 
you know we would have to see Dieter if it was Nina yeah yeah and I feel like Dieter would keep her a bit more accountable than just like execution murdering style, a bunch of people shooting mm-hmm. people it's we'll curious see. I'm excited curious to see where curious, we go sir. it's curious all right how do we end this podcast we do segments that? usually is how we end so we can yeah, kind of yeah. Yeah. Quick. segments well we start out with our favorite Tenma moment not a whole awful lot to choose from yeah here. I have one uh his uh correcting uh grimmer on the lyrics to like the japanese song that he's trying to remember was very good like he's not giving him anything and like grimmer starts to like sing the song and gets like he's like uh how is it and tenma's just like these are the next lyrics yeah (laughs) it was a very good like you know despite his every effort he is a fundamentally helpful dude (laughs) Even when it's just like remembering karaoke that you went to once upon a time, yeah, or or helping Grimmer get onto the train, like pushing, yes, the, pushing the thing, which we forgot to mention, but uh, it's another example of um, coincidence pulling a lot of weight in Monster. Well, Tyler kind of suggested that his his thought was Grimmer as as like specifically looking out for Tenma, right? Because he said that he had followed, yeah, all the he's stories. read all the stories, yeah, you yeah. know, like yeah. I think that it is more than just recognizing him. Um, I think that, like, he got in this train specifically to help Tenma across the border. Okay. Well, well I like that'd that. That'd be nice of him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do I have a favorite Tenma moment? I like, you know, it's, uh... I'm not a, I'm not a doctor, you know? Yeah. It's just like, you're, that's where he's at. That's where he's at right now. Yeah. Doctors, doctors fix things and I'm here to break them, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I think for me, it's it's I'm not a doctor as well. Yeah. Right. Not a doctor, Tenma. Is that? Oh, ex, I think that's ex doctor. Yeah. One of those, something like that. Yeah. Um. Okay. Favorite side character moment, which we may as well say favorite Grimmer moment. Gundam. Um, Gundam. Gundam. Anytime, anytime fair. a Gundam is shouted out. Um. Uh. I I will <laughs> say that like second place would be uh. Him say like going full. Is it Billy Madison? Um, the Adam Sandler film where, where he pisses he's with his the pants. kids. Yeah, and like when he full on is just like, oh, that's uh, oh yeah, I peed my pants. Like I peed my pants last night. That was, I'm per- you know, yeah. that was great. Like I I was way bigger than you all when I stopped pissing the bed. Um, like that was just a nice uh nice moment. Quinn, do you know the premise of Billy Madison? No. Okay, well, it's Adam Sandler plays. He's like set to inherit a big bit, like a business or something. His parents are wealthy, but like he never graduated from school or something. So he goes through all of like first grade through high school in the course of a couple weeks. So it's just Adam Sandler in a classroom with a bunch of children, like screaming at them. It's very That's funny. A good pitch. That is a good pitch. It has all of the problems of a uh, uh, of every 90s, Adam Sandler movie, uh, Adam Sandler <laughs> film, but there are just some truly wonderful moments i've always been much more of a happy gilmore guy but billy madison is is very funny any other favorite uh favorite side character moments grimmer or yeah let's see grimmer i you know um we're all burdened by our past we all have our sins can't get rid of him the thing i really we like about that moment do what we have to do oh sorry yeah but the, the thing i really like about that is as he walks away he's not even looking at 10 men he kind of throws his hand up to like wave goodbye to him like it's a fun little they've already they're going their separate ways yeah 
Um, mine. I'm going with a detective Sook. Not it. Not a grimmer. It's him trying to guess. It's him trying to guess Nina's name or the woman at the bar's name. Because <laughs> uh, that's always. It is a bit that is doomed to fail, but it's always good. <laughs> Jesus. What a guy. What a guy. Our Matt. Yeah. All right, and then a side character slash unnamed character. So like anyone a rando. that's not Grimmer. Yeah. yeah, ideally a rando. I think maybe I'll, I'll go first. I just like it when the two like mercenaries are just talking about the football game. They're just like, hey, you catch the game? Yeah, it sucked. <laughs> so funny. I like Big Shoe Boy. Big Shoe oh, Boy. The fact that he one. clomped over to him in the shoes and then mm-hmm. took them off. Like, he didn't just like walk him over. Uh, I liked him. I, I like Piss Kid. Um... I I feel like I feel like there was as many new characters as were introduced like a lot of them were pretty crucial to the plot uh like just crowds of children Yeah Yeah I'm I'm scrolling I'm flipping through I'm trying to see if there's anything that's that's jumping to mind for me uh, for Actually like a, another another favorite of mine is it was just an experiment that's also a very important one. That is good. Um, I like... I don't, I don't know. Um, I'm struggling. Like, yeah, just like Tyler said, I mean, a lot of the characters that get introduced are, like, kind of more important. Um, I've got a good one for you. Um, yeah, pull it, pull it. Sook's friends. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about them. Him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I do like how they tell him, like I said, like I called out, you know, they say you watch too many detective movies. This is yeah. like, you know, you should have just yeah. gotten a normal job. I'm, I am going to go with that. Like, I like them. Wear schlubs. You're a schlub. Why are you trying to like play the hero? Yeah. So embrace your schlubbiness. Exactly. Um, so then the, the last segment that we do before we close is who's rocking this week, uh, which I think last week it was contract killers where he was rocking. Indeed. Indeed, it yeah, was, it mercenaries. Was I think this time it's um, I I, I think I who, who do you think it is? I think spies are rocking. Spies are rocking. Mm, you know, you're absolutely right. Spies are rocking. The yeah. Czechoslovakian Grimmer's, secret police. Well, well, Grimmer's Grimmer's kid died. Oh yeah, and that's Grimmer's usually an important died. aspect. And Siemens' wife is now is now a widow so i think we can safely say that spies are rocking this week good pull good spies pull. are rocking secondary secondary because i don't think we're going to get this one again i will also say that i think um uh orphanage directors yeah i was gonna say east orphanage german uh brainwashing yeah. scientists east, brainwashing scientists are, are rocking. yeah uh cool well i i think i think that's the podcast everybody um it's a pretty i think it's a cool reading and it was so good to have you on the show tyler. yeah tyler thank yeah. you so much um, for joining us hey just, uh just so i was i was waiting until this recording to do this bit but uh do it did everyone know that urasawa boys has a patreon that <gasps> you can uh support at for a variety of peers at patreon.com slash urasawa boys uh and as of now I am a proud hair doctor. 
Oh, look oh, at that. Oh, my goodness. Oh, that's Tyler. so exciting. Tyler, thank I, you so much. I, I wanted to make sure everyone knew patients. that you you did not pay me to appear on this podcast. <laughs> I am paying you. You paid us. Gosh. Yes. That actually reminds me. Thank you for reminding me. We had a, another patron join recently from the UK, Elizabeth. I yeah, believe, thank you, Elizabeth. I believe the name yep. was. Mm-hmm. The email yeah, was online at some this point. This is legitimately super fun like i am i am a sucker for a read-along podcast and i'm i'm thrilled that like you know it is much more approachable to get 10 you know volumes of a manga like i i think i was the one who shared with matt like when barnes and noble was doing a buy one get one half off yep like i had read and enjoyed i think the first two volumes along with you all that i was just like oh i'm gonna get the remaining eight like i'm gonna get a good deal on this they look really nice on your shelf they do. Um, they do. Yeah, and really also like culture. you all, you all have done a very good job. Oh, of, Tyler, you're too nice. Like, oh. you know, there are some like rewatch or reread podcasts that I will bounce off of because I'm like, well, I watched the thing or I read the thing. Like, you're just summarizing what I already know. Like, I would listen to this podcast if I weren't reading along with you, because, like, there's there's a podcast I really like called Ruined, which is, like, mm. I, I am a baby, um, and what they do is they just, like, they summarize horror films so you don't have to watch them. That's a good know? Oh, fun, fun, uh, yeah. And they have an episode on Possession. If anyone like me is, like, super, uh, I, I don't think there's too much squeamishness to Possession, but they have a really good episode on it, uh, which is cool. what made me, like, want to watch it. Um, but I think you all do a very good job of like recapping while also adding additional context and like having useful reflections. So you're both detective Sook in that way. Yay. Oh. Th- th- that means that means so much. Cause that's really like, you basically, you basically just repeated kind of our mission statement for the show. Mm-hmm. Right. Because you know, like we want it to be, we want it so that ideally a person who's never read it and will never read it can understand what's going on. And I don't know, if we manage that, because that's kind of difficult for this particular manga, but you know, and then like, especially for me, I wanted to do the show because I miss being in college and doing play analysis, you know, and having a bunch of people to talk to about like, well, what's this character doing in the narrative? Well, uh, well the rising action is here. Oh, what about the climax? You know, like all of that, all of that pushes glasses up nose shit. I miss it so bad. And so this was such a good opportunity to do that and... Except now it is no longer pushes glasses up nose. It is pushes cat ears. ears Yeah. yeah. Onto brow. My pink pink cat ears. Uh, Yeah. Tyler, it means means so much that that you're enjoying this podcast. It means a a whole awful lot that that you're... um, Supporting us. Yeah. So, so, so appreciated. I would love for more people to give you all money, but I would even more than that love for more people to give me money. Yeah. Tyler, Uh, tell us where the people can find you on the internet. You can find me at possibleworldsgames.com. Um, I design and sell uh, like accessible tabletop role playing games. Um, so, like Dungeons and Dragons is going to be your 300 page book on like how to simulate how much weight a horse can carry. My games are like 30 pages. You can sit down and play it the way you would a party game. Uh, with, you know, friends who are, like, super familiar with RPGs who have never played them before. Like, I've got reality dating TV simulators, farming simulators, like, superhero shit. Um, Single Unique Power is my most, like, shounen manga-inspired game. It's a cool one. The uh, art's great on that one, too. But yeah, 
um, I'm, I'm out here doing stuff. Uh, and yeah, it is very nice to get on a non-gaming podcast for the first time in a long time and just be able to be like, yeah, like I, you know, it's nice to hop on a podcast and talk about my games and plug my games or talk about other RPGs. But like, this is something that just as a person I am really enjoying. And so I'm thrilled to be here with like nothing specific to promote heard that but and also let us let us return the favor to because you just you just said such nice things about the show and i just want to say like tyler's games are really incredible um like tyler as a as a person in the rpg design space very singular very unique um and such a such a cool atmosphere to to his work uh, and Beak, Feather, and Bone, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, I'm sure most of our listeners, like, I doubt the overlap, right, between between our manga listeners. Uh, I doubt there a lot of you guys are RPG people, but uh, Beak, Feather, and Bone is really cool because it, like, started uh, an entire, like, subgenre of world-building games where you use a deck and you answer questions about the world and slowly build it piece by piece, either solo or collaborative. Like, and that is so... It's just really, really cool to make something so well and so cleanly that other people are inspired to take it and make it their own. And so many people have used Beak, Feather, and Bone as a basis for their own work. I can imagine no greater measure of success for an artist yeah, uh, it's, than it's very, than very, that. it's very flattering. Like I, I still, you know, I'm kind of stunned that I, I get to do game stuff full time. Um, totally, you know. And, and so, listeners, if you guys. If you guys, as I suspect, aren't big in the RPG scene, I honestly think that some of Tyler's work is a great place to start getting super, into, Super, super like, entry point. You know, like, it's entry points, like, it's accessible, but it's still a little weird. Um, it's a great place to explore and to have fun with yourself and your friends creatively. Uh, so, definitely, my god. Speaking Check of recent releases, out. though, any percent just... Uh... There we go. Ah, Good segue. Ah, I was going to hit it if you didn't. Yeah. Indeed, yes. I have finally uh, dropped for public consumption any percent. My tarot-based video game speed running. During game. summer games done quick, too. Oh, Great did you time. do that on purpose? I didn't I didn't do it on purpose. Quinn, now we got to <laughs> tweet like, about that. That's hilarious. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I My assumption realize. was like, oh, it's the start of uh, games done quick. No. Like, it oh, it's really no, smart it's just, of Quinn to late. drop it now. It, just, it came out a month late. <laughs> um, this is what happened. No, so... No, anyway, but um, yeah, it dropped. It's you can find my work at two hundred proof dot itch dot io. That's two zero zero proof dot itch dot io. Um, if you have a deck of tarot cards and you like video games and you like speed running, this you you take your tarot cards, you make a video game level with it, and then you play through that level and try to beat it as fast as you can. Um, it's Quinn's super got fun you solo. on both ends. Like what? whether you want to slow read a series of books yeah. or quick run a game. It's like, all about we've it's got all, all, kinds all about of understanding. You yeah, you know. No, I really. Um, it's a. It's in all modesty. It's a very fun game. I've played a lot of it with a lot of people, and I always have a really nice time. Uh, and the the layout that Jam did is just insane. It's so fucking good. Like when I say layout, like the art, it's it's a gorgeous little book um, that was really worth every penny and worth more. I should I should give it more. Um, yeah, I'd give him another I, penny. Yeah, exactly. One more penny. Um, I love the work that they did. I'm very proud of the work that I did. Uh, and if any of the stuff that I've mentioned is interesting to you at all, 
please go and check it out. I've got some other stuff on my itch as well. That's also pretty cool. Um, so yeah, but any percent is, is definitely my new hotness. Uh, and that's enough of me. That's enough of Tyler. What about, what about the real fan favorite? Oh, what about no. the real reason people listen to this show? What about our good buddy, Matt Fennell? You Matt, are, you are much too are nice. You? Um, who are you? I'm, I'm, who are you? <laughs> I'm, I'm Matt Fennell. Um, you can find me. I'm getting closer and closer to getting back on Twitter, and it has been it has been a struggle these in, in the past couple Resist. weeks. I'm not going to post. Honestly, it isn't even fun anymore. I know. Like, you'll go back on Twitter, and you won't even have fun. You're you're right. You're right. I'm trying to get a blue sky invite. So again, that's just how that's what I'm going to be saying in this segment every time at the end is if <laughs> yeah. you have a blue sky invite, if you have a blue sky invite, please let me borrow it. Um, but uh, I'm Matt Fennell. I my blog is online at blarpol.net. Uh, maybe I'll write something before the next episode goes up school's over so i have a little bit more time for the summer um uh i, I run the. i still really want more meteor content oh meteors God, that's meteor. really what i oh, oh. I, actually okay so let me i will just say this i've been preparing to do more uh meteor streams this summer so because that meteor i had a, is a game that matt's working meteor is a game it's that so i'm working cool. on the it's pitch so cool. the pitch for meteor is hey you know how when you play an old jrpg you name all of the characters after your friends and the people that you have a crush on and then years and years and years later you come back and stick that super nintendo cartridge back in and see oh yeah all of the characters in chrono trigger i named after the girls that i went to college with um or, or things like that and then it's also about yeah it's like text messages and like blackout art and i have a final fantasy 7 strategy guide that i've been like tearing apart and writing to, sad boy poetry into to get literary on it it is an auto ethnography uh, which is a style of literature that it is an autobiographical genre genre where Someone analyzes a, a piece of media, like a, an aspect of life, and then explicitly connects it back to their like lived experience. Um, yeah, and I didn't cool. even realize there was a term, but yeah, that's it's, 100% it's, it's what really it is. really cool. Um, and yeah, I, I I've shared it with like a few collaborators of mine, like oh. Kelly K, uh, who's doing the illustrations for Bad Bad Bad. Like I've shared some of your screenshots, and they're like, "Oh, this is really cool," because that they've so made exciting. zines about like you know growing up non-binary and being like i don't know if i want to be squall or date squall <laughs> like i don't like is cloud me or am i yuffie yeah um that yeah. kind of stuff oh that makes me so excited um because that is kind of I, I beat around the bush a little bit but that is a big chunk of meteor is i have a crt that i stole from my parents house that sits next to my computer and I've developed a way using like Death Generator and a whole bunch of cables that I connect to my laptop where I make fake Final Fantasy VII screenshots that are like text messages that oh, I have like, gotten or sent or other people have. I but. still like there is one that I will never forget. It is um, the scene of Cloud and Tifa in the like the tram that they're riding together. Uh, and it's Tifa saying to Cloud. You know, LinkedIn tells you when someone views your profile, right? <laughs> that one was uh, that one was Dan Phipps. That was something uh, that, that oh I wow, him, but it oh, is one hundred percent something that I it the is only that energy. It, it hasn't happened to me because I got that warning from Dan. <laughs> is is kind of the, the is where we're the, at. The one of those screenshots that I think about uh, the most, or the one that just came to mind now, is like which one? Which one sticks with me? And it's obviously. God made a huge mistake when he gave me this cute little face. <laughs> <laughs> that, 
that one's it's beautiful that one that text message is about a year old that is an actual real life text that that i got from someone that i was i was talking to of and it was around the time that things were kind of burning down and uh it's it's too good to not that was about it was around the time that like the pizza was about to drop yeah, Matt's yes. stories are so fucking funny. We like, have you to be careful. Really, and that's why really you need to subscribe only... to the Patreon so you get Yeah, Matt's the... retaining balance. There you get it. Yeah. Because, like, here's the thing. You guys are really, let me tell you, you're missing out on only having a parasocial relationship with Matt. <laughs> because having a social friendship with Matt is just great. This guy's so absurd. Yeah. There, he's I've, just, he's I've, just ridiculous. I've really enjoyed all the times that we've, like, hopped on um, to play Smash, Smash Bros. Brothers. Yeah. And you've been, like, on some cross-country road trip. And you're like, yeah, I'm not going to play with you all, but I'm, I'm going to hop on the voice chat to just shoot the <laughs> Matt, shit and share Matt's some like, kind of unhinged work anecdote. That's like the Charlie Chaplin of relationships. Oh. Like, his love life is slapstick. Well, see, the thing is, like, Matt and I, we bonded a good we bit did. as, like... The two like the single guys, single people yeah. in a lot of spaces. Like you know the like the only people who could relate about like talking about like oh currently being on dating apps, going on horrible um, Tinder yeah. dates. Nothing again, and like the horrible was coming from me. Well, I think, I, a lot I, of those so situations. I will I will finish things out on on one more anecdote. Um, where uh, just to like inspire confidence that I did. Um, I matched with my current partner on Hinge. Um, and we, we chatted for a while, proceeded to not go on any dates, uh, because of pandemic (laughs) lockdown stuff. Um, and just stayed, uh, Instagram friends that entire time. And every once in a while, like one of us would like share a story or a post about like a life event. And we would like check in with each other, uh, and just say like, Hey, congratulations on that. That's really nice. And we get talking. And then by the end of it, one or the other would say like, are you single? And the other would say like, no, but like, it was nice catching up. Um, and finally after two years, it was when friends at the table played my game hounds on, on a stream that I like shared a story about like, Oh, my favorite podcast is playing my game. This is so cool. Uh, that she like, replied to the story being like oh i love podcasts like i listen to a ton um and like i know i would be thrilled if this happened to me so congratulations and that was the conversation where we got talking again and by the end of it i was like are you single and she was like yeah i am uh and yeah now we've been together for about a year and a half now and it can happen to you it can happen to anyone. Tyler, I got to ask just just because did you use the fire emoji on the Instagram story react at any point and then start the worst conversation, the worst DM conversation of all time? Because I feel like that's like I that is one of my favorite moves is fire emoji. And then I have, I, I'm more of a clapping emoji. OK, kind okay. of person, um, you know, uh, I, I think that my uh, my particular religious trauma is a, a bit too deep to embrace the the implied horniness of of the of the holy of the flame. fire yeah um, <laughs> great so a lot of just kind of like hey i'm over Jeez. here applauding you oh this has been so much fun uh, I, yeah. also like i am i am i've been listeners i have been blushing like this whole time that we've been talking about me so i wanted to thank the two of you i'll oh I'll yeah cut this out but this is this has this been is very super fun um, very fun totally and yeah uh, happy to come back anytime, but also more than that, we'll I would have you encourage back for sure. anyone totally. who is, you know, listening and thinking like this would be fun, like reach out. Matt and Quinn yeah, are yeah, yeah. very reach approachable out, reach out. and this was, you know, 
super fun to be a part of. And, like and and like regardless of if you're on the podcast or not, my God, do we want to talk about it? Yeah. Like I, my God, I will I will talk to you. I um, I do have a, sure. a podcast project um, that I I'm going to do with my best friend eventually. Um, it's going to be called. Uh, my son is also named Baruto. Um, <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> a, I can't okay. wait. I have I'll watched and read all of Naruto. Um, uh-huh. And we, my best friend and I uh, want to do uh, essentially uh, one of these style podcasts where we just for watch the, uh, and good. recap Baruto for the first time. Uh, but we want to make sure that we have a guest on every episode who has never watched any Naruto or Baruto. That's so me. So we can just explain to them, like, okay, yes, for context. Like, Great. not exp- well, not explain anything to them unless they ask for explanation. Like, someone has to specifically ask, who is that guy? And then we'll be like, well, first you have to understand who Orochimaru is. <laughs> he... <laughs> Naruto is so good for that kind of yeah. thing, too, because, like, it all, there's so much. Okay, so Naruto uh, has a son named Baruto. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, man. Um, what a uh, pitch. Oh, man. That's great. So all keep right. an eye out for that. I will. Keep an eye out. Everybody, everybody, everybody. I've got to say it, and I'm saying it from the heart. Thank you for listening. But more than and that. And thank you. Yeah, but more than, more than that. Even more than that. I don't even care if you listen. What I care about is that you're a friend. Thank you for being a friend. Thank you for being a friend. Thank you for thank being a friend. Thank you for being a friend. <laughs> Quinn, you made our outro the Golden Girls song. <laughs> yeah, it's great. <laughs> there you go. 